Good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio, although Friday felt like a Monday, so I don't know what today is. It's like a bonus Monday. We got a quick week this week. I guess this is kind of like a Tuesday today. And then tomorrow will be kind of like a Wednesday. Wednesday will be kind of like a Thursday. Then we're not doing a Thursday show. And then Friday will be back to being a Friday. We got it all figured out, man. This worked out okay. This is a good time to have a Thursday night game in hindsight. A lot to do on the program today coming up in a bit. Of course, the Ravens now have to adjust to life without Mark Andrews. We check in with our resident tight end. Former Raven Dan Wilcox will join us to share his thoughts on whether the Ravens will be able to withstand the loss of such a significant part of their offense. Later on this morning, Johns Hopkins legend, PLL co-founder, our friend Mr. Paul Rabel is back with us. Of course, if you missed it last week, PLL announced that they will have home teams moving forward. And the Whip Snakes will now be known as the Maryland Whip Snakes. Made a lot of sense. A lot of Maryland players on the Whip Snakes, University of Maryland players, on the Whip Snakes roster. So it seemed logical enough. What does that look like moving forward? We'll ask our friend Paul Rabel when he joins us a little bit later on this morning. Plus, it's Monday, so Jeremy Kahn will join us as he does every week. A lot to do on the program today. Today's show is brought to you by Superbook Sports. If you're already looking ahead to Sunday night, Ravens back on the West Coast in Los Angeles taking on the Chargers. Mm, hello. A little thing there. I don't know what that was all about, but it, uh, hopefully it'll be uh, it'll be taken care of. Did the line surprise you? It left you? Uh, actually, you what, bit, what surprised me is that I couldn't find the line. Oh. That, that I, see. Was a, I see. That was a little surprising. I was like, what's going on there? But I got it now. Ravens, four-point favorites on the road in Los Angeles. You might think to yourself, boy, y'all, uh, y'all seeing the Chargers? <laughs> like, really? What makes you think they're going to keep it even competitive? That's how you're feeling. What I would do right now is go sign up, Superbook.com, download the Superbook app, use the code GlennClark23. When you do, you'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. Again, Superbook.com or download the Superbook app in order to take advantage of it. Right now, the Ravens, the second favorite in the AFC, 3-1 to one odds, and the fourth favorite to win the Super Bowl at 7-1 to one odds. If you are moved by those numbers, get in right now at Superbook and use that code. Also, what's tonight? What's uh, what's uh, what's that number gone to? Uh, uh, it's now 2.5. 2.5. That's where we, we yeah. got it at 2.5. Chiefs favored by 2.5. I feel like there home. was some movement, though, but then I guess it I guess it's level, uh, went yeah. back level. The level of course, the game of the century of the year coming up tonight in KC. Got the opportunity, obviously, like most people did, to watch some football yesterday. I spent um, a, a fair amount of time with the Steelers and the Browns and regretted that because the football was atrocious, just purely awful. But I found myself, and I and I lead into it in my column today at PressBoxOnline.com. I'm fascinated. Like, this is the human experiment these days. There's a relevant relevant conversation to be had about the Browns, right? The relevant conversation is, did they know something when they chose to start Dorian Thompson-Robinson that, like, he was emerging and from a talent perspective could grow into being a player, being a Brock Purdy type for them? 
and in their next look at Dorian Thompson Robinson, who didn't play particularly well for the game, but had certainly moments, and most importantly, their final drive, obviously played very well and looked the part against a very good Steelers defense. Do they think that it's possible that Dorian Thompson Robinson could be emerging and getting better and offer them a bit more upside moving forward? And if that's the case, can a combination of that and that defense be enough to overcome the fact that we think that they should be thrown to the wayside because they lost to Sean Watson? Is it possible that there's something more there with Dorian Thompson-Robinson? And it's a conversation because the answer obviously cannot be yes definitively based on what we saw. My God. I mean, like, he, he was okay. But there's an interesting conversation to be had. Still, what we as a society would rather do is look at the shiny red ball. In the last 24 hours... Your Twitter feed has been inundated with Joe Flacco. Exactly. So it doesn't matter what DTR does. Joe Flacco is not going to Cleveland to play. He's not. Definitively not going to Cleveland to play. Now, he might have to at some point, for whatever reason, if Dorian Thompson-Robinson and P.J. I I would think he's third on the depth chart behind P.J. Walker as well. If those guys either stink or more guys get hurt, then maybe he's forced to play at some point. But this is what we do, right? Like, Joe Flacco is a name that we've heard of. In this neck of the woods, obviously, he's very significant. He's a Super Bowl MVP. We can't help ourselves. And so we miss the relevant conversation, which is, did we learn that the Browns might be capable of making this more interesting? I think there was a reaction from a lot of Ravens fans yesterday. One, we always like to see the Steelers lose no matter what. It's always fun. But on the flip side, it's the, well, you know, the Steelers are the team that did, does have a one win. They've got a leg up on the Ravens. And the Browns, they, they, can't, they can't keep this going. They don't have their quarterback. Well, do you know definitively that Dorian Thompson-Robinson isn't better than Kenny Pickett? Definitively. Do you know that? Because I sure as hell don't. I get it, Kenny Pickett certainly had his moments, but if the biggest thing that we can say about Kenny Pickett is that he's come up big in big moments late in games, what exactly would you call what it is that Dorian Thompson-Robinson did? How are were we convinced that going into yesterday, the Steelers were definitely a bigger threat to the Ravens than the Browns were? Again, I, I understand wanting to write off a team that lost its quarterback. I understand that, but the Steelers didn't have a quarterback to begin with. So, I, I'm I'm not saying that you should have been rooting for the Steelers because I, I'll never feel that way. But I'm just not as convinced as some people are that that was a good result for the Ravens. I think it's more interesting to wonder whether the Browns, even without Deshaun Watson, might be as good of a threat. And if what we saw... As that game went on and the Browns said, all right, we're going to give you, all right, kid, we'll give you a chance to go throw the ball around a little bit, is that maybe he's a bit more talented and capable than we realized. Which doesn't mean that the Ravens still shouldn't be able to win this division. If you can't hold off a team that's playing a 
a rookie. What was he? A fourth or a fifth round pick? I don't even remember. Or DTR. Yeah. I think he was. Was he a sixth round pick? I feel like. He, or maybe he. Maybe he, yeah. I don't remember. For some reason I thought he was later. If you can't hold off a team that's starting a rookie mid round, mid to late round pick at quarterback, if you can't hold that team off, then shame on you. Fifth. Fifth. Shame on you. But I do think it's a relevant conversation. And as much as, again, we we have romantic feelings about Joe Flacco, he's, at this point, he's a body. The conversation ain't warranted. It's just, we've heard of this person, so when they do something, we're interested in it. I don't know what we learned about the AFC North from yesterday. My gut tells me. I'm not ready to write off the Steelers either. I think both of those teams could still go about trying to do the things that they've been trying to do. Play to their defense. See if they can do just enough offensively in order to remain competitive. I've never believed in the Steelers. I'm still surprised that they got the ball back yesterday with a chance to go win the game, and they didn't. That's in their DNA. It's who they are, right? Like they don't—they're not any good. They stink for for the entirety of a game, and yet they somehow get the chance and they go out execute. So, I was still surprised that it played out that way. But I don't know that they can't turn around next week and still do the same thing and be the same team that just plays really good defense and makes a big play and that changes the course of the game. That was kind of what was missing yesterday is defensively they didn't make that like one play that changed everything. Yes. And yet they still allowed 13 points and oh, yeah, they should That's have been able to win. I mean, it's it's crazy uh, like the the Canada thing. Like how do they no, That's their I don't Ken Dorsey got fired for 12 men being on the Ken field goal block. Ken team. Dorsey really got fired because they have Super Bowl aspirations. Nobody in Pittsburgh the yokels. Yeah. Nobody in Pittsburgh really thinks that they put together a Super Bowl caliber team or a Super Bowl caliber roster. They they put together a roster that was like it, if it went well, it it goes ten and seven. Frankly, they've outperformed that. Trust me, I I wouldn't want Matt Canada to be the offense coordinator either. But we got to also talk about the the thing that you don't want to talk about. They don't have a quarterback. I'm not sure what they're supposed to do. I, I'm not. I don't care. I could give the ball to Jalen Warren more. I mean, I, right now, it seems like... he got like, one carry yeah, after it that. It certainly seems run. like right now they should be giving the ball to Jalen Warren more. I won't disagree with that. But I also, again, don't care. Not my problem. That's for them to worry about. I'm going to continue to worry about my thing. Um, spent some time uh, yesterday with the the Bills until that one got... Completely uninteresting. I mean, the Jets thing. They they finally put Tim Boyle in late, but again, I'm not. This is the, when people are clamoring. You can't just keep putting Zach Wilson out there. What do you think is going to be different with Tim Boyle? Like, what do you think it's going to look like? If they had signed Joe Flacco, I mean, sure, they could put Joe Flacco out there. They could do that, but they didn't. They have the guys they have. So everybody's clamoring for them to bench Zach Wilson. I'm like, sure. I I certainly don't think Zach Wilson is an NFL quarterback. Here's the problem. You don't have one. So you can just move the deck chairs around, but you still have exactly what you have. 
I don't know that the Bills reannounced themselves or reasserted themselves or proved, Joe Brady proved, well, you know, look, we're going to be a completely different team moving forward. But they won a game, and that probably makes them feel a little bit better in Buffalo and bully for them. And last night actually was – last night was not a great football game, but was really entertaining because it was close and because the storylines are interesting. But what I came away from last night feeling is, yeah, neither of these teams actually matters. They're, they're like the – they're the fun kind of warm-up act. Like, it was, it's neat to talk about Josh Dobbs and the call on the past or not. That's fun, right? And he has a neat story, and I, I, we just got to be able to keep it in context when we talk about it. Like, he's not the MVP of the league. He's not an all-pro quarterback. It's a neat story that he's even capable – after we had written him off to begin with, and then two, he shows up in a new place, and it looked like their season was going to fall apart because they lost their quarterback. It's, it's neat. But they're not particularly good. Their offensive line is obviously dreadful. The Broncos' defense is really good. And this is the... I, I saw somebody say this yesterday. Somebody on Twitter said, you know, we keep looking for the Ravens' offense to look more beautiful but tell me whose offenses look particularly beautiful. And that's been the story of the season. And it's why there's been an argument that some of these teams could be competitive. I I don't think they can. I still think that ultimately you get to the playoffs, you have to have high-level quarterback play. And while perhaps Russell Wilson has surpassed the bar of a year ago when it looked like it was dead, 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 he still does not look like he's capable of beating the best teams, the best offenses in the NFL, even if we don't think it's the murderer's row of offenses of the last couple of seasons. For for what it's worth, it was obviously a huge win for them. They're playing good football, and they're in the mix. And that's, I think, a lot more than we expected out of the Broncos a month ago. So that's the story. Those are the three games that I spent the most time. I spent a little time with the Commanders, but then why would I do that? I'm like watching it for a second. I'm like, what am I doing here? Why? Why? Why would I? Why would I bring myself to this? And then I realized too, I don't love, I don't love Red Zone the way that I thought that I loved Red Zone. Oh, I think it I was. don't. There are times where I enjoy Red Zone, but then I just sort of want to. I'm detached from the game. It's the I I realize it's the same thing when like people tell me they watch the Manning cast. I'm like, nope, nope, people, not a chance. Like am I the only one that's told you that? <laughs> uh, no, there are other people okay. that have told me. It's not it's not a lot. Other, other I mean, the, the, the ratings would would back that up. Like the Manning cast does okay, but way more people just want to watch the football game. Like insanely more people want to watch the football game than want to watch I the Manning cast. The no, you're not. You're watching people watch a football game. Watching you're, with. you're missing out on learning things about players. You're missing out on things well, like that. I know that. everything. Yeah, sure. So I am learning. I, I found myself. Peyton. I found that for a moment when I turned the Red Zone channel on. I'm like, I don't. I want to love this, but I don't actually love it the way that I think I do. I think I like it as an option, but I'd rather just watch a football game. Like that's just who I am. I, I'm inclined to just want to watch football games. 
And so I found myself just flipping back over and watching the Steelers game instead of watching the Red Zone channel. And then the 4 o'clock window kind of stinks on the Red Zone channel. Like, they spent half the time, like, recapping earlier games. Well, yesterday it did because it was only three games and all three. They were not good. They had all three of them sucked. Yeah. I mean, the Seattle game was a little. I guess. But, like, Drew Lockley, you know, he was going to cry when Gino went back out there. I mean, he stinks. God, <laughs> he stinks. So I just I just found I kind of found myself in like eh, I'll just watch football instead. That's how I spent my uh, bye Sunday, um, and I, I again I think it's reasonable to say that if you spent your day watching football yesterday, that you could find yourself feeling a bit more confident about how the Ravens stack up in comparison to other teams. Now maybe tonight looks completely different, right? Like maybe tonight is just beautiful impeccable football on both sides and we're like oh yeah that's that's different but that's not exactly what the Kansas City Chiefs have been doing this season so I think that you have to feel good about how the Ravens measure up now the Mark Andrews thing and that will be the predominant topic of conversation at least through this week until we see them play again on Sunday night and it might be for the rest of the year. That's that's the thing. I wrote about it today at PressBoxOnline.com. I'm inclined to agree with Kirk Herbstreet. I'm inclined to believe that the Ravens, by virtue of like actually having a roster full of competent NFL-wide receivers, are in a better place to withstand the loss of Mark Andrews. But that doesn't mean that it's easy that doesn't mean that there's a simple solution. It doesn't mean that it can just be Charlie Kolar or just be Isaiah Likely or just be some combination of Charlie Kolar and Isaiah Likely. They're, they're having one of their best ever seasons on third down this year, and that hurts. It dreadfully hurts to lose someone who's caught six touchdowns so far, was on pace to have a double-digit touchdown season as a pass catcher. They've got to figure out, and physically, these wide receivers aren't those players. Physically, as good as Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham, or the two that stand out the most, are they are capable in the red zone. They are capable on third down. But they are not Mark Andrews. I know that sounds like the dumbest guy thing to say, but we have to know that. They're not Mark Andrews. And we can't pretend like it's an easy thing for them to try to move on and recreate those things. I think they're capable of it. If you were hoping that uh, what we heard from Dr. David Chow on Friday was maybe driving the idea that Mark Andrews could be back, he, after we got more definitive news about Mark Andrews' actual injury, he came back and, and found us on Twitter and said, yeah, it's really unlikely now. It's almost almost impossible that there could even be a cameo in the Super Bowl if they were to make it there. And that hurts. There's no way around it. That hurts like hell. But they have four competent NFL wide receivers. They're going to roll these tight ends out there. I'm not surprised. I said on Friday, there's not really a lot 
out there as far as free agent tight ends are concerned. Ironically, like the top free agent tight end might be former Raven Max Williams. They could just bring up Volkolek from the practice squad. They could re-sign Tomlinson, who they let go of a week ago. They apparently brought in somebody for a visit, and I can't even remember the guy's name. Scotty something or other. Scotty doesn't know, I think. Um, I'll pull it up and tell you in two seconds. They brought in... Oh, for God's sakes, why can I not find this person's name? They brought in someone named, it's a former Steelers tight end named Scotty. And I might have to tell you who it is later because I am struggling to find it now. I don't know what the hell that's all about. Scotty, Scotty don't. Find the answer to that question. It's Scotty something, and he used to play for the Steelers. Steelers tight end. Maybe I can just look this up. Steelers tight end. How do you spell Scotty? Do you know? Uh, with a Y, I believe. A y? Scotty Washington. That's uh, his name. Played for the Steelers. He's maybe on their practice squad. He's a D.C. native. He's been with the Bengals and the Patriots at some point. They brought him in for a visit. And I'm going to guess that's not the only one. I'm going to guess they're going to bring in a bunch of tight ends for visits and consider how those guys look in comparison to the guys that they are, they're knowns, the Tomlinsons, the Volkoleks. But they're not bringing in someone who I think is going to cut into. I don't think that anyone that they would bring in as a tight end is someone that they would think would move ahead of their internal options in Likely and Kohler. I think those are the guys that they will go with moving forward. They just they want to have depth, and so I think they're going to sign somebody early this week. All right, today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. When we're talking tight ends, there's no one I'd rather talk to about it than our next guest, of course, former Ravens tight end, the host of the Believe in Ravens podcast. He is our buddy, Mr. Dan Wilcox, and he's back with us here on GCR. Dan, it's Glenn. It's always great to catch up. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Thank you for taking the time for us, as always. Glenn, it's always my pleasure to come on, my man. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours as well, bro. Hey, man. I wish that we weren't talking about Mark Andrews going down. I wish that weren't the case. But such is life. That's the way that the NFL works. So I ask you this way. Do you believe the Ravens can withstand the loss of Mark Andrews in order to still be a Super Bowl championship caliber team? Absolutely. Absolutely. I do I do feel that way. Man, I, I feel like we have plenty of depth right now. We still got Kohler who just sold back up last game. I haven't seen him in a while. And you still got Isaiah Likely, man, who's a, who's a serious threat, you know, in the passing game. And I, I think Kohler is kind of, like, sneaky good, too, as well. Like, he has phenomenal hands, run great routes, and always find a way to get open. So I, I feel like we still have a solid team on offense, defense, and special teams we could cause some serious damage going late into the playoffs into the Super Bowl. I feel like that's the, the you know, like this is the team. The defense is good. The run game is good. You don't have to have everything fall onto the passing offense. And yet you still – the biggest thing for me, Dan, isn't even just the two tight ends. And, and we can talk about Likely and Kohler. But you have four quality, capable to quality NFL wide receivers. And with no disrespect to rosters yeah. that have been built in Baltimore in the past – that hasn't always been the case. I think we know that, right? Like, this just doesn't – it's not how the Ravens have always worked. And I thought about that in the moment on Thursday night where there was the tip drill touchdown to Nelson Aguilar, and we could sort of say, hey, that's a goofy touchdown. 
but it's also the type of thing that happens when you put legitimate NFL pass catchers on the field and Nelson Aguilar is not panicked in that moment, knows exactly it, it looks fluid. It, you barely even recognize the ball was tipped in that moment because he looks so comfortable in that spot. And that, to me, is maybe why I have more faith than I have in other years is because they've just they've got more legitimate pass catchers still than they've largely had throughout their history. You know, Glenn, I think the best, the best thing that happened to the Baltimore Ravens was about three or four years ago where they had all the injuries and, you know, Lamar got hurt, all the receivers, the O-linemen, everybody, the DBs, everybody got hurt. And they realized that they didn't have a team that was loaded with depth. So this team is based and centered around depth right now. I mean, the receiving core is definitely about as deep as it's ever been. The running back room looks absolutely phenomenal for any of those guys. Keaton Mitchell coming on strong right now helps that room tremendously. You still got Justice Hill. You still got Gus Edwards. And then, you know, losing J.K. Dobbins at the beginning of the year, of course, was a huge loss for us. You know, but these guys, we haven't missed a beat since J.K. left. And I kind of feel like you're going to see the same thing that's going to happen on offense. You know, yeah, Mark Andrews was definitely Lamar's security blanket. I think Isaiah likely could definitely, him and Kohler can both could, could make up those pass catches that, he lost, he's going to lose for Andrews. And then with that receiving court that you just missing, man, you still got DuVernay, Rashard Bateman, you know, Zay Flowers, OBJ, Nelson Aguilar. I mean, that, that was five or six guys that are pretty good. And you still haven't seen Colin Wallace, and he probably had the best preseason out of everybody on the team. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you, you got depth at the receiver spot. I think we're in really, really, really good shape. We just got to keep our O-line healthy and get, get those guys rolling again on the right path, and I think we'll be just fine. He is, of course, Dan Wilcox. He's with us here on GCR. Dan, you bring up Isaiah Likely, right? And there were so many expectations because we saw the athleticism, um, not this past preseason, but in his first preseason, and we said to ourselves, oh, this guy might be a special kind of talent, and he's just never really been able to break through. And, of course, part of that is because there's only one football, right? Like that, you can't throw balls to three different guys on the same play. It, right. Are you at all concerned about the fact that he hasn't been able to this point to, to find a role for himself in which he can be more involved in the offense? Or do you feel like the talent is still there and now that Mark Andrews isn't on the field, it, it's going to be more evident he's going to be the an easy option to step up and make big plays moving forward? You know, it, it would be interesting to see how it plays out. A lot of times OCs don't look at two, two, two guys as the same. You know, I think Isaiah Likely is a huge threat in the passing game, but not as much of a threat in the run game. And Mark Andrews is such a balanced player on offense, you know, offense, whether it was run or pass, that he would, he became extremely valuable to you because you, he's a constant mismatch on routes, and then he can hold his own when it comes to blocking. Isaiah Likely is a little lighter in the butt and may get tossed around a little bit more, mm-hmm. but he's just as good as Mark, I think, in the pass game. So, you lose a little bit by him coming in, by not having the run-blocking things that you get from Mark. I think Kolar may be a little bit better run-blocker as well, you know, but um, I think you'll make up for it, you know, by bringing those guys in and allowing them to, to, to do the things that they're strong at. A good OC would be able to recognize the talent that he has, and he will be able to put those guys in, in situations that could be successful, even with their shortcomings. Um, I think we'll be fine. I think Munkin is a great OC. I think he's going to figure this thing out. And I think we'll be fine moving forward. I really do. And I, you can't you can't forget about number forty two, man, Patrick Ricard. 
you know, sometimes he's he's left and forgotten about. But he's uh, he's kind of a dual threat, fullback, running back, sure. slash tight end type, H back type for us, and he could he could cause some havoc as well. So you still kind of deep in that tight end spot. You still got three deep, you know, even though you lose Mark Andrews. I think if I, if there's an area I'm concerned about, Dan, it's the red zone and third down, right? Which is just that's the Mark Andrews specialty. Six touchdowns this year, and right now the Ravens. Uh, converting on third down at a 44.6% clip on the year. It's the sixth best conversion rate in the NFL. I am mm-hmm. wondering if maybe, as much as we can talk about, you know, Ricard, likely Kohler, that Rashad Bateman isn't the wild card in all of this, right? Like the guy that, given his size and his physical abilities and his ability to catch the football, and like we've seen it in doses, in doses, he's looked special. They just haven't been sustained. But I wonder if he's maybe the wild card in those areas that, like, if there's a guy that's ready to step up and really kind of bridge the gap on third down and in the red zone, it's actually Rashad Bateman that would be the best option in those spots. You know, I'm not sure if it's going to be Bateman to be a best red zone threat or not. I mean, with, with OBJ and Aguilar, um, you, see, you I'm a huge Duvernay fan. I, I like Devin Duvernay, man. I think he's a – He's, to me, he's kind of an X factor for us that we don't use enough. You know, and he, to me, him and Zay Flowers would be deadly in the slot. And you put OBJ and Aguilar on the outside and Bateman and OBJ on the outside. I mean, I think we're pretty deep. When, anytime, you can, anytime you can take one player and move him to another spot and put another player in and you feel like you don't lose the beat, that lets you know how deep we are at the receiving spot. You know, to have a Devin Duvernay, on the bench for you, and, and Rashad Bateman coming off the bench for you sometimes as well. You know, and even Nelson Aguilar coming off the bench, man, that's that's saying a lot. These guys are playing their butts off. Aguilar is a longer range of body type that could go up and get it over guys too as well. So I, I don't think we lose anything. I think we change it a little bit. We shift a little bit. We shift off emphasis a little bit on offense, and then we continue to make plays. We got playmakers all over the field on offense. Dan, I, you know, we didn't talk last week. You know that everybody around town was panicked because of what happened against Cleveland. And I just wonder how you, like, is that out of your mind because the Ravens turned and won a football game? Or do you still think a little bit about the fact that this team now, three times this year, seven times the last couple of years, have somehow managed, managed to find ways to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory in games they should have won. Is that still something that worries you moving forward with the Ravens? A lot to me, a lot of that is based off, you know. So I'm not really worried about it as well as as much as some people will. I feel like that's a tweak that you can do in your coaching game, and you can figure out what you did wrong as a coach and put the guys in better situations. That game was a game that we should not have lost, you know. But it's also a learning experience for us as well moving forward. We jumped up on them so fast. We took our foot off the gas, and then we tried to play prevent on defense instead of just playing our regular base defense, pinning our ears back and getting after them every single snap like we normally do. When we get a lead, you know, we kind of we, we kind of pumped the brakes a little bit on defense and on offense. We just started running the ball, and not using our playmakers as much. And you know, even then, we didn't even get a ball to keep them into as much that game either. We just kind of rested guys, like we're going to try to save guys and. I think we hurt ourselves by, you know, by taking our foot off the gas. We should have put them away, and we shouldn't have let them come back and, and win that game. So I'm not as much 
I'm more upset about the loss than I am worried about the loss. If that makes sense. No, I I can I completely understand that. I I'm in such a weird place to talk about it, Dan, because like it's not. I still don't think there's been like one consistent theme in all of these games, like one area of the team that's let them down and all those. I feel like it's just been something different every time. And to your point of taking the foot off the gas, I think that's true. But I, like it, it just sort of feels weird. Like there's no obvious scenario. Like even last, even on Thursday night when the Ravens are up by 14 going into the fourth quarter, I'm still thinking to myself, yeah, I need to keep watching this just to make sure that like nothing. I can't go to bed early. I just need to make sure that nothing crazy happens because I just can't figure out, you know, what the circumstances are that lead to these types of things occurring. Well, that Pittsburgh game, it was a hand down tell tell. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, we dropped, we had about right. two hundred we had about two hundred drops that game. You know, so that was on the entire receiving core, tight end core, running back core, whoever whoever made those drops, whoever had that drop had a hand in that in that loss. Like, you can't have that many drops in the NFL. You can't have one drop in the NFL. You got to be on top of everything, man. And it wasn't that Pittsburgh outplayed us. You know, we kind of got outperformed for sure by just dropping balls. We was in the right spot. The ball was thrown in the right spot. It hit the receivers in the right spot. They just dropped the ball. You know, and this, to me, this one right here was a classic case of of just coaching, just kind of mishandling the clock and mishandling the game and just not understanding the moment of, of who your team fully is. You know, like you got a bunch of dogs, you gotta you gotta take the leash off and let them go. You can't you can't put them on the leash and then still expect them to be physical and aggressive. You're holding them back. You know, so I just kind of feel like to me they we just kind of took our foot off the gas this, that last game against uh, against Cleveland, and then allow ourselves to continue that and finish that game the way we should have. That should have been almost a like a, a point game for us where we just collect a lot of points, put ourselves in the, in the in the listing. That game that Miami had earlier in the year where they dropped 70 on the team, you know, like that's, that was, that was one of those opportunities for us to put 60, 70 points on the board. And I think when you got a quarterback like Lamar with so many skeptics and so many haters, every opportunity you get a chance to prove a point, you prove one with them. But I think they, I think everybody inside the Ravens organization knows exactly how good this team is. And nobody's trying to show you how good they are until the, until the time is right. And they, they lost a couple of games this year, at least two games. You know, trying to trying not to show you exactly how good we really are, and I think I think they got to stop. They got to stop doing that and just go play football in the National Football League, and, and just take don't take nothing for granted. Not one play, not one snap, not one rep, and go out and just get everything that you can get every single play. And and I think we're we're, we're losing that battle sometimes to the fact that we're just trying to keep things a secret or not show too much or or save guys and make sure he don't get hurt or injured yeah. at this time of the game and. You know, we're just looking out for our guys, I think, too much sometimes, and we're putting ourselves in, in predicaments to, to lose instead of win. Dan, before I let you go, I, I just want to get your thoughts on, I'm sure you know the, the big topic of conversation this week is uh, because of Mark Andrews and then what we saw with uh, Jordan Travis of Florida State on Saturday night. It's this hip yeah, so. hip drop tackle, and, um, you know, defensive players will say, I don't, I don't understand, what are we supposed to do, man? Like, you know, you, you, we can't. All of the tackles are going to be gone from football pretty soon. But I, I come back to I, I, the safety of players to me is always the priority. Like, I, I don't care. I'm sorry. I get it. Your life's going to be a little bit more difficult. But I, I, I don't know how we measure that against making sure that dudes can walk when they're, you know, 40, 50 years old. I don't know how we measure that against making sure that guys can play with their kids. Like, I, I, I to me, I think it's very simple that once we have all of the evidence that we do that – 
this type of tackle is 25% more likely to cause an injury. It's got to go. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's a combination of why they took the horse, the horse, the horse collar tackle out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I used to watch um, Roy Williams from the, I think it was Roy Williams from the Cowboys, you know, grab the back of your jersey, number 31 for the Cowboys, Williams. He used to grab the back of your jersey and drop his knee on the back of your leg, and then he would pull you down, and he was breaking people's legs and ankles all year long. You know, high ankle sprains, broken legs, breaking tackles. I, I've seen him do it over and over again. And they put that horse collar rule in because of him. You know, and to me, this tackle is pretty much along the same lines of that. And it's a very common tackle. And it's not, a lot of times it's not intentional. It just kind of happens. Your body just kind of flails around. And it's just the momentum of somebody's body takes you in the direction. And honestly, it's a, it's a part of the game. But I think it is something that you need to kind of, you know, you need to try to put a hold on now before it gets out of hand because you are losing guys left and right to the same thing, man, the same type of – and it's the exact same tackle as the horse collar. It's just around the waist, and you still drop your leg on the back of the guy's leg. And it's a, it's a tough spot you put the defenders in. And, unfortunately, if you want to protect these guys, you're going to have to put in something to stop it. You know, otherwise, you're going to have a lot more injuries just like this that's going to continue to occur. Uh, not going to change anything. That's where I am, man. That's where I am, and I get it. Like it's, I understand that it's limiting, and you're going to say, "Well, guys have to think about it more." But every defensive player will have to do the same thing. It's not like it's going to be advantage one defensive player more than it does another. Like everybody's going to be in the same boat, and I just think it's time. Uh, you remind everybody about the podcast, Dan. Absolutely, believe in the Ravens podcast. We're going to shoot an episode today. Um, it'll be out, but we usually shoot one or two episodes a week. It's on the Believe Network. I appreciate you guys tuning in anytime. You're listening to one of the best shows right now in Baltimore. My man, Glenn. Keep it up, Glenn. Good luck this year. Happy Thanksgiving, bro. Brother, love you. Always appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time for us as always, dude. All right, Glenn. Talk to you later. That's Dan Wilcox, former Ravens tight end, with us here on GCR, Believe in Ravens podcast, of course. Um, I, I, I'm in this I, – I keep seeing the responses from – Defensive players, I, I, they fall on deaf ears for me. I'm, I'm sorry. And then people would be like, well, this is a question of physics. Like, it's, it's not. It's just what we say because we don't like change or because we think they've done this before. Hey, here is the new, we, this is the type of tackling that we want to teach. We're going to try to teach a type of tackling where you're not going to come down on the lower body of another player and have their ankle get pinned underneath you. Injury to Jordan Travis stinks, man. And and, and I, I hate saying this because it stinks first for the player. It stinks for Jordan Travis. That's the first thing. It stinks for him. It stinks for college football. Because now you're left in this predicament where Florida State has two very winnable games left on their schedule, even if they don't have Jordan Travis. Not easily winnable, but they've got Florida, who's pretty mid. And then they've got Louisville in the ACC championship game. If they win both those games, they should be in the college football playoff. And yet, does anybody want to see a Florida State team with no Jordan Travis in the college football playoff? Is anybody interested in that? So one of two things is going to happen. 
They're either going to be knocked out almost specifically because they lost their quarterback, or they're going to be have to be in, and none of us want to see it. So it's a bummer for college football, on top of obviously it being awful for Jordan Travis. It's going to have to go. And defensive players can make a stink about it, and they can just... And look, we're gonna we'll bring it up again tomorrow night. We'll the Tyus Bowser show. We'll be at Mother's North Grill and Timonium with Tyus and a special guest. Hope that you'll come join us. It's a partnership of Press Box and Great Eights Memorabilia. It's brought to you by our friends at HelpMyGamblingProblem.org, Superbook Sports, and AJ Michaels. And we already know because we talked to Tyus and Jadevian about it earlier in the year. And I know um, Gianna Han wrote about it for the Baltimore Banner and talked to Ravens defensive players who were like, look, man, you know, I, I feel bad for Mark Andrews, but this is football. It's not going to be football. It's pretty clear. The league's going to make sure it's not football. I, I, I did a dive on this like a month ago when it first came up, and a lot more people are sharing that this is something that in um, professional rugby they did away with hip drop tackles. And players have figured out how to tackle. It can be done. It's not the end of the world. They're going to have to spend time with it in the offseason. And there are going to be growing pains. And players are going to, there's still players that get hit with horse collar tackles, right? That still happens. And they know immediately when they do it. They're like, I didn't want to. I just wanted to grab something, and that's what I grabbed. But the idea is, how how many fewer horse collar tackles do you see these days? Almost none. And is, has it ruined football? It has not. Is defense arguably better this season in football than it's been in the last five years? Check that primetime under record. It, it's like we just say things hysterically. Like, this is ruining football, or you can't play defense anymore, or anything along those lines. And it's not true. And everyone will play at the same level. And maybe, as as was pointed out, I, I don't know how many total hip drop tackles there were in that game. But I don't think it was more than 10. I, I do think the point that was made, um, I think David Chow made it on Friday that at some point part of the answer might be when someone stood up, we're going to have to blow the whistle sooner? I, I've thought about that a lot. If you're thinking about banning the tush push, you almost have to ban plays in which someone has stood up. I don't know how you differentiate the two. Now, I'm not in favor of banning the tush push, but I think downfield, it's... It's always kind of comical to me that like we let it we let a football play become a tug of war. That you stop someone eight yards downfield, they don't want to hurt anyone, and yet suddenly now all of a sudden that guy's got a first down because his group came and pushed him forward for a few more yards. Like that's to me not really part of the football play. I'd actually be okay with keeping the tush push and getting rid of the downfield push plays I love the idea of rece- of running backs keeping their legs moving but like you're asking for problems I think it's going to have to go man and I think the Jordan Travis thing on top of Mark Andrews injury is going to lead to 
making it extraordinarily difficult for there to be a response back, right? Like, I don't think that there's going to be a whole lot of room for pushback about this moving forward at any level of football. I think it's got to go. By the way, did I not know that North Dakota State stinks this year? Did I was I unaware of that? They're not even seated. Well, in I mean, I guess no one was aware of it since uh, you know they're just irrelevant. Are they? I mean, I mean, this if they're not they're, they're not, not seated. I didn't realize that. I was like, well, that's weird. But they still made the they still made the, the nah, tournament. Well, they're not terrible then. Well, they're like, not terrible, but like I'm just used to them being definitively the best team. Top five, yeah. Yes. Like well, when I looked up and I was like, ah, South now Dakota. JMU's, now that JMU's gone, there's more right. parity. Uh, oh, is that what it is? <laughs> the FCS. South Dakota State, Montana, well, South Dakota. South Dakota always, Montana's always good. Yeah. Idaho. Montana State's usually uh, good. Albany? Really? Albany is really? The Albany's fifth good. Seed. Okay. Uh, Montana State, Furman, and Villanova are the seeds for the, uh, the FCS. No, nobody cares. I don't know why I'm. This is, this is for me and no one else. I just looked up. I'm like, ah, how about that? And then I decided to share it with everybody. All right, uh, when we come back in, we are going to chat with Paul Rabel, the co-founder of the PLL. Uh, OC of uh, Albany, Jared Ambrose. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I did know that, actually. I did know that. I feel like there might even be somebody else that I know on the Albany staff. Um, um, I'm oh looking at God. the – like, I'm trying to look for names. Hang on that, a second. There's an Orlovsky. That's not related to – Maybe. Dan I mean, Orlovsky. that's totally possible. Hang on a second. Albany. Tim Brady, is he related to – no. No. No, I feel like there's somebody else that I know, or gotcha. maybe I didn't know. Oh, Greg Gattuso is their head coach. That's exactly who it is. What am I doing here? Oh, man. Greg Gattuso was an assistant at Maryland years oh, ago. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That's exactly. And there might even be one more because I think he brought somebody with him. Maybe they're not there anymore. I thought he had brought somebody with him that was also with him at Maryland, but I'm not seeing it. So. Yeah, Greg Gattuso is definitely who I was thinking of, who's well, their head coach. We'll say go Albany for the FCF playoff. I don't really Should care. Should we do an FCF uh, playoff pool? No, but we are going to do a bowl pick'em contest right. again this year. We are going to do that. So I you don't just, wanna... you just want me to win again, I guess? Is Oh, did you win? Yeah. How did win. that happen? Because I was what good. What the hell was that? <laughs> did my research. Yeah, that'll be that'll be next. I know I'm slow to roll out um, specifics. The next thing that we're going to do is going to be the bowl pick'em, and Brian Powell set that up this week because I know we're still two weeks out from the bowls being announced after championship week, but I want to start getting people registered because I want to start. I, we, we raised 150 bucks already with the in-season tournament pool. I want to raise at least another, if, if we do this this way, if we do $20 buy-in, I would like to raise, man, I'd really like to make it, get it up to 500 bucks through this. I'd really like to get 35 people in on our bull pick them. That would be my goal. I think we can get almost what we got, if not more. It's about what we got. Yeah. yeah, I think it's about what we normally get. Because I also want to have people have a chance to win, right? Like right, I don't want it to be a hundred person pool. I well, if I'm to, in it, then no one has. Right, a that's a great point. I want to do 35 people in that, and then we'll have 500 bucks taken away. And then if we do another um, ra uh, raffle this year, then I think we can raise another 2,500, and I think it'll get us to 3,000 dollars that we'll have right there on top of anything else that somebody might donate. So I want to do bowl pick them next. If you're already thinking about it, Brian Powell, I'm charging you. Get it set up. I know we're still two weeks away. I understand we're not there yet, but that's the next thing I want to do. It'll be the same thing, 50-50, 50% of the pot to the winner, 50% of the pot to helping up mission. But I want to do that, and I want to get 35 people signed up so we get the 500 bucks. And then if we can raise 2500 on the raffle, we'll have $3,000 on top of anything else that we do. And we are. Drew and I are working on an event. We had to move some dates around for some other things in December, but we are working on an event to have everybody come out and some special guests that would be involved with that. So I'm thinking that we can pull all of these things off, 
right? I'm thinking that that's going to be the case, and we're going to have uh, fun with it as we try to help helping up Mission with um, toiletries and underwear. That's going to be our goal for this year. So bull pick them next. No, I don't think we're going to do. Unless you find 10 people that are really, if you can find 10 people, that and that we just raise 100 pool. bucks. If I'm not, I'm not taking control of it. How many people are, or how many teams are in the? 24, because the top eight get a buy. So we could. So we do, tw- yeah, but everybody, we'd have to have eight people, because you'd want to have everybody get a seed, right? Like, yeah. You'd have to find eight people that would be willing to put in $25. I think that math works. Or yeah, that would raise us a hundred bucks. Or we wait until like after this weekend, then when it's the sixth. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's a little complicated. It's on you. If you want to do it, look. I would really like you to take more ownership of our charitable things. This is the type of thing that somebody had to have a conversation with me about when I was young. Like, I'd like to have you think about this part of what we do and and how important it is to lift up our community and to make an impact and what that means for us. So I'm for you having some more ideas and you pitching them and running them and saying I'll I'll run it. I like that. But I'm not doing the that's I'm out okay. on the FCS one. I would like for you to to think about it and All other right. maybe other things you could do. All right, when we come back in, we are going to chat with Paul Rabel. The, the Maryland has a new professional sports team, the Whip Snakes. He'll tell us about it next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership of Press Box and Great Ace Memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, November 21st at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports, AJ Michaels, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Costas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steamed crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria. A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. 
Visit Hartford County. Gear up for the holidays by supporting local with Small Business Saturday on November 25th. Take in the dazzling sights of the season with a Ledoux Christmas at Ledoux Topiary Gardens. Enjoy holiday lights, sing along the holiday songs, reserve a carriage ride, and sit on Santa's lap in Bel Air's Winter Wonderland happening every Saturday from November 25th until December 16th. Nothing sparks that holiday joy quite like a festive parade. Head to visitharford.com and click on events to see the full list of parades and so much more. In Maryland, you're welcome. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Sure, Glenn may be in his 40s now, but he looks just as good as he ever has, and he's still as sharp as he ever was. And I say both those things without even a shred of irony. Find out for yourself right now by watching the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition of the program. Griffin, you want to let everybody know what's going on at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland? Yeah, over at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. If uh, luck wasn't on your side at a recent bet, I took, uh, obviously, I, I took Michigan on the show. I also took Michigan. Uh, yeah. Put, put, put some real money on Michigan. Uh, and Maryland, you know, surpri- almost surprised us. A big, big time surprise. Um, but over at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland, you can turn losses into winning opportunities with the second chance to win promotion between now and January 4th, 2024. All Live Casino in Hotel Maryland rewards members will be able to enter their losing bet slips into the second chance to win drum. And then two nights a week, 20 different winners will be chosen. Prizes ranging from Live Casino in Hotel Maryland Apparel, Sports and Social Ultimate Happy Hour prizes, plus cash and free play worth up to $500. Drawings will be held every Thursday and Monday uh, only at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Adorondo Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. We had to do this a little bit earlier on because he is an extraordinarily busy man, but an opportunity to talk about the newest pro sports team in Maryland with Paul Rabel right here on GCR. Well, it's always a pleasure to welcome in our next guest, who we've talked to so many times over the years about so many different things, but for the first time ever about a PLL team now calling our neck of the woods home. He is, of course, a Johns Hopkins legend and uh, the co-founder of the PLL. He is our guy, Mr. Paul Rabel, and he is back with us on GCR. Paul, it's Glenn. It's great to catch up, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. Glenn, you are such a pro. I wish I recorded that intro and uh, and could share it as a, as a sales lead uh, to some of the groups that we're looking to connect with i mean it's always good to connect with you man uh and appreciate your support it's been quite the journey from uh our first conversation as a hopkins grad to where pro lacrosse is today man um i in fact not only did we have conversations one time we played against each other in a baltimore blast celebrity game at halftime yeah yeah um and uh, i'm pretty sure my team won not that i still think about it paul all right so here's the deal the Maryland Whipsticks, I, I remember talking to you over the summer, and we all knew, we kind of knew this was happening, right? Like, you weren't going right. to do teams in the PLL and, and homes, hometowns, home locations without, you know, Maryland being involved. Can you walk me through, did you always know it was the Whipsnakes? Did you always know that you wanted to brand it as Maryland versus Baltimore? Can you just sort of take me through the entire thought process? Yeah, yeah, uh, great question. So I'll start by 
reflecting on pro lacrosse historically in Maryland has, has actually been a challenge. It's, you know, the Baltimore Bayhawks first began and they moved to the Washington Bayhawks and the Chesapeake Bayhawks. Uh, so they've moved around the state. Uh, but again, part of the reason why we started the PLL was to change the operating model and, and bring in a front office that we felt could throw a heavyweight punch um, for the growth of the sport. Um, and it turned out that Maryland is as much of a professional lacrosse fan base as they are one of, if not the greatest uh, uh, states that perform lacrosse uh, at the participatory level. So high school to college, um, I would say the other states or state that has stake in, in that claim is New York. And it creates for an amazing rivalry that I was a part of growing up in the free state uh, and competing against the players in Long Island. Um, so, so I think that the first thing, Glenn, is that Baltimore and Maryland at large have held some of our biggest crowds, our most sellouts, high viewership, and uh, also hosted te major tentpole events for the league. We played our championship game at Audi Field in D.C. Um, we have annual sellouts at Homewood Field. We brought in our uh, inaugural PLO Junior Championships last summer to Homewood. We've had our Hall of Fame induction there. So it's a really important market for us. On the decision standpoint, you know, one of the one of the uh, ways to tip the scale for me is is leaning into the state and the official team sport of the state and being a corridor of access to not only Baltimore but the DMV and all the way out to the Chesapeake Bay. Um, you know, embracing the state at large as uh, what this team will sort of you know kind of wave the flag of, of best in America. Uh, that to me was compelling. Um, that's something that another, no other team sports league has done. Um, and we wanted to, to not only make that bet, but fulfill um, in both creative and activational ways um, through our players and that team with fans all across the state. So I, let, me, let me cover a couple of things if I could. The first being... It is the Maryland whip snakes, and I know part of that is, like, there's an awful lot of Maryland dudes on the whip snakes, right? But can we assume that the plan, and I know that this is going to evolve, but for now, that the home games will remain at Homewood Field? I think, look, here, here's, the, here's the, the right answer, is that our schedule comes out on January 1st. <laughs> We've been doing that over the last few years. <laughs> uh, the, other, the other part to your question is, like, hey, for the same reason that would have behooved us not to have a team in Maryland, it would behoove us not to continue to build on that relationship at Homewood Field. Yeah. Um, I would say other venues that are in consideration, uh, two in, in Baltimore, Loyola and Towson stadiums. Um, uh, we look at Annapolis and uh, Navy Marine Corps that has been home to some major historical professional lacrosse and college lacrosse events. Um, and then our success at Audi Field in D.C. So the, the market is actually quite primed for uh, multiple game weekends, but more of that will come shortly. All right, so we'll talk more about that in a second. The other one, as far as the team is concerned, I have to ask because I heard it from a lot of fans last week, was there ever a thought about attempting to revive 
the Bayhawks, the way that there was, you know, the revival of the Cannons. And I I, I know the Outlaws, obviously. I know that the Whipsnakes, and I can say this from being out at your events, the Whipsnakes have a hell of a brand. And there are a lot of kids that love Whipsnakes. I also know that the Bayhawks were kind of one of the beloved, um, you know, I don't know, teams in professional lacrosse history. Was there ever thought to that? Yeah, as were the, the New York Lizards. Um, and yeah, the, the, we, we absolutely explored it. It was, it was easier for us to decide officially on the Maryland whip snakes because of how big the whip snakes brand is and their relationship to the state of Maryland, uh, university of Maryland. Um, and you know, really what our fans told us, uh, a primary data input for us was fan voting. And as we reached phase two of of fan voting, it became more intricate and okay, if there were a team in Maryland, which team would you prefer? So, um, you know, the good news is that as part of our merger with MLL, we, uh, we continue to have uh, the ownership of archival games and uh, intellectual property. So for the same reasons that we were able to roll out now the Boston Cannons and the Denver Outlaws, um, there is a future where you might see other teams as the league decides to expand. I, I will be interested in that, but I certainly understand that whip snakes, they are, I, the, the kids love the whip snakes, man. I, I don't yeah. know that, I don't know that everybody that's over the age of 40 can understand this, but go out and see it. The kids yeah. here love the whip snakes. Paul Rabel is with us here on GCR. Paul, when you and I talked last summer, I I really came away encouraged by your vision because, as we've talked about before, there have been pro sports teams that have attempted to operate in this area without really calling this area home. And and you said, look, man, we're not ready yet. Like, we're kind of going, we're dipping our toes in the water, and we're, we're moving in that direction. Can you lay out for me what you and Michael and the entire team's vision is for introducing yourself into these markets more permanently over the course of the next five to 10 years. Yeah. There's a, there's a favorite saying of mine from the chairman of Sony motion picture group. Who's also a Baltimore native and played lacrosse at Brown. Uh, His name's Tom Rothman. And he's been one of the moguls of Hollywood over the last 30 years for his own uh, approach to filmmaking, which is creatively reckless and fiscally conservative. And I would say that we have gotten to where we are today uh, because of our creativity and our execution, not only across our network partner in ESPN uh, and our corporate partners, but also our owned and operated media. We have an in-house production team, creative services group, uh, and really strong distribution channels. Um, So that is what's helped grow our sport and grow our league. And if you think about, when he says fiscally conservative, I would say our process has been mapped out to be meticulous in our learnings and uh, aware of our blind spots and patient in uh, our investments. And so most team sports leagues that have started over the last 30 years have failed because they try to go from zero to 60 in the first year and a half. And rebuilding pro lacrosse first tour base, knowing that we only had six teams and we wanted to uh, capitalize on it on the game's national growth while not isolating markets. We expanded to eight teams 
continue to grow our national and global presence. We play exhibitions in the off season in Japan. We get lacrosse in the Olympics. We now believe that it is that moment where we can take our eight teams and identify them with home states and home cities in some cases. Um, if you look at the future, it will be the continued progression of our business model, the continued investment into these communities, and then new communities as we eye down expansion. Um, but our, uh, our process uh, has been one that we think has yielded a lot of success and probably why, why you have asked that question. I would say patience has been really important for us. No, I understand that entirely. Do, do you have a, like a timeline or a vision for, hey, by the year 2030, we'd, we'd like to have it's, – it's not a couple of home games. It's, it's more like home and away, or are you just sort of not there yeah, as far as timeline? No, I would, say, I would say far sooner than that. Okay. Um, yeah, we – I think what the, the, the date on the calendar that I look at is July 2028, and that's when the cross will be playing in the Olympics in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're in – and if you back your way out of – out of, okay, what will that do to lacrosse? What is that already doing to lacrosse? And how can we continue to help, but also um, leverage that newfound awareness and growth opportunity? Uh, it seems... So we're sort of like flooring the gas from, from now through 2028 in, uh, you know, in this, what I would call phase two of, of building out the PLL and investing in home team communities. So as you do that, can I ask, is, it, is, is eight definitely the number? Is there perhaps still growth that could happen between now yeah. and 2028? Yes. Yeah. yeah, there is growth that could happen uh, before 2028. There's growth that will likely happen after 2028. Um, yeah. Markets that were on the outside looking in that are powerful markets to us, but again, we only have eight teams, uh, is the Midwest, Texas, Florida, and the PAC Northwest. Um, those are all markets that we have played in, have had success in, and will continue to play in, especially with neutral site weekends. Um, I would say also on our roadmap, as, as we look at uh, more deeply entrenching ourselves in our eight communities and potentially beyond, is what is our venue relationship like? Mm-hmm. Are we owning and operating our own ven- venues? Are we building or re-entering into joint venture partnerships? Um, that is a part of what our strategy team is, wow. is uh, has been working on. And, yeah, I mean, look, Glenn, I've said this to you before, but I want to build the next MLS and do it in half the amount of time. And that means we have to have plans if we want to get there. And um, and so I think up to this point, fortunately, we've been, we've been operating and executing against our, our five-year plan and uh, have another, you know, intense three to five years of operating and we also have a 10-year plan beyond uh the date today you know i remember was it a few years ago there was a a plan in place for there to be a lacrosse stadium in like crownsville right for the bayhawks i think if i remember correctly so um that is that is really kind of remarkable to think about that that day could come in the future for those lacrosse specific venues and what that could do for the entirety of the sport i think is big uh paul could i ask how you walk hand in hand with doing what you're doing. And I remember we talked about this over the summer with, you know, how vocal you've been about support for the Olympics. I know you guys yeah. introduced that sixes series last year. Yeah. Are, are you planning yeah. on doing more to try to familiarize people with sixes ahead of the Olympics? 100%. 100%. So we'll have our annual championship series every February. Yep. 
Uh, and this year it's going to start on February 14th at the St. James um, in Northern Virginia, same spot as our inaugural champ series tournament. So we are, uh, we're thrilled about that. And frankly, Glenn, I love that product. Yeah. Sixes, sixes is, is, is basically five on five with goalies, right? So it, it's a smaller field and it moves much like basketball does. If you score a goal, the ball gets picked out of the net by the goalie blown into play by the ref and we're back in the other direction. Um, you know, and, and people, uh, especially in, uh, in, in the state of Maryland and New York that have, you know, been home to great college lacrosse for over 125 years, we have a debate around the, uh, the original form of the field game and how it evolved and how it has changed. And I love to remind people that the original form of the field, field game was created by Native Americans, often played with hundreds of people at a time. The sides were decided between elders and younger. You were on the elder team if you had offspring. Um, goals were sometimes miles apart. You'd play to three, and the game could sometimes last several days with no boundaries and no penalties. So uh, sports evolved, right? Basketball not to ha- used to not have dribbling. Um, and then Ivy Leaguers decided to get clever and pass the ball to themselves with two hands and move the ball down the court. <laughs> and there, there was born dribbling. So I think this version of lacrosse is not only exciting, but shows that history can, uh, if not repeat itself, can rhyme in this case and will be the next progression of the game for the 90 federations around the world that are playing it. All right, and so then the important one is, have you thought about it at all, right? Like, you're, you'd only be, what, 42 at that point? 42. You, I'd be 42, yeah, yeah, the right you, age of 42 wait, 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 for wait, 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 You've done everything, right? Like, you've done everything <laughs> in the game. Did you, did you even think about it for a moment? Like, it wouldn't require you to maybe be a full-time player again. Yeah. Did you think about it at all? Um, yeah, yeah, because it wouldn't be fair to myself if I didn't yeah. as you know, often overly speculative and ambitious as an athlete. Um, but, you know, I, I've also come to peace with my relationship to the game now um, because I've, I've been asked quite a bit, like, why, why don't you plan to come back? When are you coming out of retirement? And, uh, you know, my relationship to the game is, is much on the service side right now. And, um you know, it's part of the way that I've uh, actually been drafting this book that's going to come out in May um, around sort of the three chapters of our lives, is amateur, professional, and then beyond the game. And that could apply to us as athletes, as business people, as parents, um, and beyond the game. And, our, you know, what we invest in each of those stages evolves. So in amateurism, you know, we work hard as hell. And we have to be the hardest worker in the room to progress and to get recruited and to play in college and get drafted. And once you become a pro, you have to develop perspective. And sometimes being the hardest worker in the room is not wise if you're dealing with injuries and you could compound fracture. Hmm. So it's about sort of leaning into the intelligent aspect of, of performance. And that allows athletes to play from 21 to 40 versus 21 to 25 on average in any team sport. Then beyond the game becomes, okay, service. What are you doing for the posterity of something that gave you so much? Um, and while I would have loved to have played in the Olympics, I dreamt about it. Um, I feel really lucky and grateful that I had a major role in yep. getting lacrosse back into the Olympics. And that was my version of playing this time around. 
I can respect that, man. I, I think that's really well said. And I, I'm sure it's not easy to come to peace with. Like, I'm sure yeah. that there's still a part of you as a competitor who's like, right, but like a gold medal. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's, yeah, cool. I know. It's, it'll be, it'll be an amazing thing for the sport. Um, and is only going to get uh, more and more exciting no as we get closer to 2028. Uh, from our championship series at the PLL, because you can visualize what the game looks like played by the best to now offshoot events at the youth level. Because if you're, if you're a Joey Spelina um, in college right now, who wants to play on the Olympic team, he's going to be, you know, probably 26 or 27 um, and a sophomore uh, right now at university of Syracuse. So he, uh, you know, someone like him is, is going to need to learn how to play this sixes game, uh, which is different than ten on ten. I, I was I actually did the uh, the fall classic for USA Lacrosse. I called that event this year, and it was a big part. Like our entire conversation that week with the guys on the national team are like, "Hey, it's fun to be on the national team now on the like the field level, but like you got to be starting to think about that. Like you have to totally. be, you know, thinking about if this is how how do I make this my path." in order to be able to get this opportunity. And I think it's going to be awesome to watch that unfold in the coming years. All right. Um, yeah, and we've got, to groom, we've got to groom the coaches as well because it's true. a different way of coaching. True. That's a very good yeah. point, man. Uh, yeah. And, in fact, I think Donowski told me, he's like, man, I don't even know. Like, yeah. I have yeah. no idea. I said, I get it. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. At Paul Rabel, of course, on uh, social is where you find him. Paul, where can we guide people if they want to learn more if they're not, if they were not maybe on board with having the Whipsnakes as their team before, and now want to start learning about their team, where do they find out more specifically about the Whipsnakes? Sure, the, the Whipsnakes uh, Instagram is at Maryland Whips. Um, the league's Instagram is at PLL. Our website is PremierLacrosseLeague.com. Um, if you just start there, uh, it's our job to then unlock greater interest and uh, excitement and participation so uh, i think our teams have done an amazing job so far with our players in markets and uh and promoting uh early ties with other organizations and and we look forward to continuing to do that through this year and into the new year oh my god you know what rj is the hardest working human being and in, in all of he's a beast it's unbelievable isn't it <laughs> uh paul always appreciate you brother thanks for taking the time for us we look forward to chatting more as we start moving in this direction and however we can involve be involved and i really always enjoy this thanks for doing it man likewise i appreciate you glenn happy thanksgiving to you and everyone at home and uh, i'm looking forward to coming home uh tomorrow by train that is, of course, our friend Paul Rabel, who is with us on GCR, and the Maryland Whipsnakes is now the team. They will be playing two games at home next year. And then, as Paul said, by 2028, the goal is to make that more permanent. And very intriguing that like the vision of perhaps lacrosse-specific stadiums is uh, still in play because that could be relevant, obviously, not just for the Whip Snakes, but also for other events, for world championships, for the NCAA tournament, things like that. So we do know. I mean, that was that was part of the plans. And this is they're walking a fine line. And I'll be the I will tell you this is if there's something that concerns me, it's that at some point in the future they don't ever really commit to Baltimore because they don't want to offend anybody in DC. They want to make it they're trying to make it the, the Maryland team. And it's always a difficult thing to do. 
The University of Maryland has probably done it the most successfully in marketing, but ask a lot of people in Baltimore, and they would tell you they haven't done it successfully at all. There are plenty of people in our area that just will never embrace the University of Maryland because, well, they're in College Park. So it's tough. It's tough. You're trying to have it both ways. You're trying to be the team for the entire area. And ultimately, the Bayhawks tried doing it. We'll be the Chesapeake Bayhawks, and we'll play in Annapolis. And that's kind of between two things, and that's their best way of doing it. And it's your best hope for it. I mean, the moment you decide to brand yourself as Washington, this market is checking out. We're just, there's a small percentage of people in this market that care about the, the Washington teams, but it's a small percentage, man. You're, you're asking people to check out. The fact that they're going to be playing right now at Homewood is relevant, but maybe in the future, do they revive the, the Clarksville idea? We'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm excited about the possibility, and I think that having home teams is the best thing that you can do in order to try to get the market fully invigorated. I, mean, the, I will say their thought process about how kids, that was one of the things that was introduced to me when they announced the touring model to begin with. They're like, you don't understand that like this works for kids. Kids don't feel the same regionalism that everybody else does. And every time I've gone out there, I've sensed that. We're like, kid I, I got a message today from somebody who was like, Hey, I was I was thinking with like lacrosse and there being a team, maybe we I would like to do some lacrosse types of events. Like who are some of the, the star players that like you could bring out to do like an lacrosse event? And I said I mean, Blaze Reardon, Trevor Baptiste, none of them are local, but like you go over there and kids love Trevor Baptiste. Love him. Don't care what team he plays for. I, I'll never be that guy. Like, in order for me to be invested, it's got to be a home team. I just don't. Like, when, whenever somebody tells me that they're a diet in the world, like our friend Andrew Stecco, who like loves Tottenham Hotspur, I'm like, oh, okay. If you say so. I don't know what would tie me to Tottenham Hotspur. I tried this years ago. I did a bit where I was like, my uh, Premier League fandom is for sale. And I did. there was a radio bit that we did for a week. I'm like, make your offers, and I'll commit to somebody. I'll offer you my commitment that I'll... But, like, it was fake. I could not... Who came close, or who won? Cool. Somebody invited me out and, like, said, we'll, we'll, we'll treat you to breakfast if you come watch the match with us this weekend. And we're, I'm like, all right, I'll do it. And I did, and it was great. I had a great time. Chelsea, I believe, was my oh. team. believe I was a Chelsea man. Great. I made up a song, the whole thing. And I had a great time. Went out and yelled, effing wanker. Like, I did the whole thing at the screen. But it was all fake. Like, I couldn't get myself to be invested in something that I had no connection to whatsoever. I just can't do it. To me, sports fandom is regional. It's tribal, if you will. So... I've needed this. I'm a whip snakes guy now. I will root for the whip snakes. I knew roll more, whips. I knew more players. Is that the thing? Roll yeah, whips. Roll right. whips. I knew more. <laughs> I knew more people on the whip snakes roster than I did on other rosters. So I guess if there was a team that I was rooting for in the past, it was the whip snakes. But that's where I'm going to be. All right, quickly, a couple things. One, time to up. go out and get Ryan Drenner. Sure. Yeah. Any of the you want all the Towson yeah, guys, all the, yeah, right? Yeah, Goodrich, Good, Goodrich uh, Kobe Smith. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Co Kobe, Kobe you know sure. Kobe's brother plays basketball at Stevenson. Oh really? Yeah, Cameron yeah. Smith, nice player. Um, yeah, go get them all. Go get all those guys. Go get everybody that I like. Go get all my boys. 
Brian Phipps retired. I don't like that. Speaking of retirement, I'm guessing that today when Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, and Luke Jackson get together at about 4.30 on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, youtube.com slash pressboxonline if you miss it live. I'm going to assume that a strong topic of conversation is going to be the retirement of one Zach Britton. Zach Britton, the former Orioles closer, announced his retirement from baseball today. I don't have any Zach Britton hot takes. What would I say? was really good. Should have used him a little bit more. Would have been nice to put him into the game in 20, uh, 2016. <laughs> List of things. Um. A remarkable story, right? Because Zach, there was some expectation for Zach Britton as a starter. There was belief. He was never a top prospect, but there was belief at a time when things were bleak for the Orioles in pitching that he could be helpful as a starter. And like in moments as a starter, he was helpful. He actually had a hell of a bat. You remember hitting the home run uh, in Atlanta. But it just never sustained as a starter and the closing thing, I, it's funny now when people say, like, I always knew that guy was going to be a closer. Dude, you're lying through your teeth. Nobody thought Zach Britton had, because he just didn't have the velocity of what we expected from closers at the time, right? Like, he wasn't, now it's just pick the guy that throws the ball really fast and say, you're a closer. It's always been that way. That wasn't Zach Britton, but he had a pitch. And it was as devastating as any pitch anyone threw in all of baseball. I mean, I that thing, you would watch that thing, and you'd be like, what the hell just happened? How? Okay. And it was devastating, man. I mean, it was utterly and completely devastating. Um, You know, he's an Orioles Hall of Famer. If they're doing a Hall of Fame ceremony next year, it would seem pretty obvious that I guess Adam Jones would be the leading candidate. And I'm sure they would want to maybe stagger some of these guys from those mm-hmm. teams so that they're they're trying. I, I, I don't know. Because they do anniversaries. Like this year they did the anniversary of the 83 team. Uh, I guess next year. I don't think there's yeah. any anniversaries. 66, 70, 83. I don't think there's an obvious. An- unless they want to do the anniversary of one of the years they lost the World Series. And I would prefer that they didn't. Imagine they did like a 45th anniversary celebration of losing the World Series of the Pirates in 79 or a 55th anniversary Just to mo- celebration. Just well, to motivate everybody, you know? Yeah, sure. They could do any of that. Um, See, you want to be, be celebrated like these losers? Yeah. Right. <laughs> what a weird bit. Um, Even though most of them, I guess, were just there. Yeah. yeah. They, could, they could do that if they wanted. I would prefer that they didn't. It would seem like Adam Jones, Zach Britton would be the two. I guess Nick Mark is Nick Markakis in yet? I don't think they put Nick Markakis no, in I yet. I don't think because he just. But I, I know they put JJ Hardy in. JJ Hardy went in to the Orioles Hall of Fame. I don't think any of the other guys from the those teams have gone in yet. So you know that entire core, obviously Jones, Markakis, um, Chris Tillman, and now. Zach Britton, of course, Manny's still playing, so you know he's not in that conversation. And Weeders, absolutely. I mean, Weeders too. Let's not goof ourselves into thinking that Matt Weeders isn't an Orioles Hall of Famer. There's five guys right there that are now all retired and are all good options to go into the Orioles Hall of Fame. So I'll, I imagine they'll try to stagger them over the next few years, but all of them are Orioles Hall of Famers. Um, pretty remarkable career for Zach Britton. Really, the fact that he was able to last until 2020, 
Did he pitch at all this season? He never actually pitched this year, did he? Uh, I don't think he no, did. I don't think he did. He was still on like the Yankees. Yeah, but I don't think roster. he ever. I don't think he ever pitched. But to last over a decade in Major League Baseball is remarkable. It's it's just not something that everybody gets to do. And had a very special relationship with Mo Gabba as well. Zach Britton did, and I will think about that eternally. And the things that he did for Mo. So I don't. There's again, I don't know what other hot take you have to offer. It's Zach Britton, critical part of you know at, at the time. What was the best Orioles team, the team that really had the best chance of winning a World Series of the last 40 years? Unfortunately, we all know what happened late in 2014 and missing pieces that prevented it from being able to be sustained in the postseason, but that that year doesn't happen without Zach Britton. So uh, congratulations to Zach on a remarkable career, and I imagine that will be a, a significant part of the conversation as Stan, Luke, and Ross get together a little bit later on today. Um, you want to do picks recap real quick? Um, yeah, I guess I mean, so. It's yeah, not a full it? recap because there's still so, one more picks game. Picks update. Picks update, if you will, and um, maybe a little, maybe uh, maybe somebody at this table might be a little bit nervous going into Monday Night Football tonight. Might yeah, but I mean, I guess the good news is I won't be entirely alone. Is ever did ever no? You could might not be doing it at all because yeah, Paul exactly. Valley could be a solo loser. But if you lose, it would be you and uh, Nick Whoever Kelly. KC. Nick Kelly. I think Kyle. No, there's only three of you that had three losses. Uh, three. There's three Kyle. of you tied. Oh, four of you. I forgot yeah. about Kyle. All right. So Kyle and Paul. Right. No, Kyle. Did everybody? <laughs> everybody else pick Philly. So if KC loses tonight, or if KC doesn't cover, Kyle will be by himself. If KC does, no. yeah, uh, I'll be with Kyle. Me and Kyle are tied. Right, but oh, and you both have KC. Yeah, we both Sorry. have KC. You both yes. have KC. You and Kyle have KC, and KZ and I need, we need some, we need to color coordinate this somehow. We get too many people on this list. Uh, <laughs> KZ and Nick Kelly both have Philadelphia, so somehow, some way, two of you will be enjoying a delicious Jameson Williams McFlurry burger. Will will <laughs> if it's you, will you be capable of doing it tomorrow? What time um, can you get I mean, a Mc, What time can you get? Does McDonald's only serve breakfast at that time of day, or can you, like, pick up? What's the earliest? Like, at 9.30 tomorrow, can you pick up a McFlurry and a burger at McDonald's? I genuinely don't know the answer to this question. Lunch starts. Oh, you can't. Well, this was, hold on, this was, like, three years ago. I know what time lunch starts, but I'm saying, like, can you order something? Like, if today you went to McDonald's. Right. Here, let me just check. Maybe I'll check the app. That that might tell us. All right. you, You work on that. You work on it. Otherwise, we'll probably have to wait till Wednesday because you won't know until tonight that you've lost, so you won't be able to go get it mm-hmm. until tomorrow. Um. Yeah. So then, but then when does Kyle pay his punishment? We'll talk to him about that. All we'll right. figure that. out. Would you settle down over there? Get all antsy in your pants. We'll figure it out. The weird part is going to be uh, Wednesday when Drew comes in and he's actually got a burger and a McFlurry. Like, well, I said I'd do it. <laughs> That's going to be the weird part. Um, all right, so yeah, quickly from the weekend, we had Maryland, Michigan. I did not stay for the game. I literally left before kickoff on Sunday. By the way, if you ever want an exercise, try to leave a parking lot while tailgating is still going on. You want a challenge? My God. The number of times I thought I was about to run over a foot trying to exit the game. 
Uh, thanks, everybody, who donated to uh, A.J. Francis' food drive. We had a great collection. Maryland, it, it looked like they were going to be non-competitive there for a minute, and all of a sudden, they get right back in it. They have multiple chances in the fourth quarter. I'll never understand calling a timeout when they're already backed up at their own two-yard line. Like, just take the one-yard penalty. What the hell is the difference of running a play from the two or running a play from the one? I don't know if that timeout would have made a difference at the end because ultimately Michigan was kind of running down their throats. Some questionable calls, questionable spot on fourth down. Um, the I, I, the grounding call, man, they are, look, man, they are tightening up on intentional grounding. Like, that's the reality. It used to basically be you could just get the ball out, and if there was a receiver anywhere close, you were good. But now, like, you got to be throwing it to a receiver or they're going to call intentional grounding. That's just the nature of the beast. So only John Proctor, Andrew Steck, and Jeremy Kahn were on Maryland this week. They all get that point. Jeremy Kahn gave it right back because he was a lone wolf on Tennessee, and it failed miserably. Georgia had no problem whatsoever against Tennessee on Saturday afternoon. The biggest challenge is going to be finding McDonald's that offers, that has a McFlurry available, just because what, it looks their, like... Their ice cream yeah. machines never work? I guess so, yeah. Because well, the, the one that I'm clicked with, that I have selected right now, it says unavailable, unavailable. Was that because it's not breakfast time yet? Um, or it's, it's not lunch time yet? What time I do they start? It could be both. Uh, but, no, uh, it's 11.30. Yeah, we'll I know. See, yeah, we'll it should definitely be right lunch. You can, fi- you can figure this out, Chief. Like You're going to be able to get a McFlurry. There's like a million McDonald's. Yes, you'll be able to get a McFlurry. Uh, Washington, Oregon State was very good on uh, Saturday night. I never understood why Oregon State was favored in that game. Um, I get it. Washington has been far from perfect, and everybody still thinks that ultimately they'll be dogs against Oregon, and it's Oregon's title to, to win. But they keep figuring out ways to win, man. Like you got to give Washington credit for that. Uh, Andrew Stecka, Jeremy Kahn, and Kyle Ottenheimer were on Oregon State and missed out on that. But Andrew Steck and Jeremy Kahn were also on Cleveland, as was John and Little Rock. And just when it looked like they were going to figure out a way to, to give that one away to the Steelers, they get a nice drive put together late by Thompson Robinson, and they kick the game-winning field goal there. Vegas very competitive against Miami uh, in a 1 o'clock game on the East Coast. It was a big number, and that concerned me, and that's the reason why Andrew Stecka, Jeremy Kahn, and Paul Valley were on the Raiders, and they get that point as they stayed very tight with the Dolphins, and the Dolphins were not able to cover the 13-and-a-half. Buffalo had no problem whatsoever with New York. We were very split on that one. Griffin, that was a costly one. John Proctor, KZ, Nick <sighs> Kelly, and Ryan Chell were what, on the Jets. what I was thinking. Uh, Denver might have won, but they did not cover, winning by just one point when they were favored by two and a half. Uh, Paul Valley, Kyle Ottenheimer, Ken Zalis, and Jeremy Kahn were all on Denver. The only people on Cincinnati were Nick Kelly, Paul Valley, and Griffin Bass was also on Cincinnati. You're not going to try to sue, right? What's the the, the, the the dude from Barstool who's like feigning that he was going to sue the NFL oh, because he lost a bet? Yeah, I mean, Joe yeah, Burrow if I had known Joe Burrow had a banged up wrist, I. Uh, yeah, then you definitely would have. But it's a very possible he did get hurt in the game. It was, I think it was because of how loud the stadium was. You think when that's he, what it was? When he took this time out, he was yeah, like, yeah. The, oh, that's actually hurt what his, hurt. Oh, that's man, what hurt that's his weird. wrist. <laughs> so here's where we are going into tonight. Uh, outstanding week for Andrew Stecka who is now tied with myself one game back of John in Little Rock, who is now atop the table. And Andrew Stecka currently sits at 7-1 and one for the week. Good week as well for John in Little Rock, who's 6-2, and, and that's why he's in first place overall. 
A few of us that have five wins so far, myself, Jeremy Kahn, and Jeremy really needed he really needed Denver last night to cover badly if he was going to start making some noise. John Proctor also with five wins. Then uh, with four wins so far, Paul Valley and Ryan Chell. The problem is, as I mentioned, four folks all with only three wins so far. And so it all comes down tonight for who's going to have to consume the Jamison Williams burger. As we mentioned, two, two of our folks, one way or the other, will be enjoying an Oreo, Mc, Oreo McFlurry burger. We will find out tonight who that is as uh, Kansas City, the number we got, and it still is, minus two and a half against Philadelphia. That will determine things, whether it's Griffin and Kyle or whether it's uh, Paul Valley and Nick Kelly. So we will determine that tonight at the moment. As I said, John Little Rock atop the table, a game in front of myself and Stecka, two games in front of Nick, Casey, and Proctor. And in the Scott Stat position, we find Paul Valley. He is still, however, 17 games clear of Jeremy Kahn. Just not making up the distance necessary in order to close in on everybody. Paul is a game in front of Griffin Bass. So tonight also important to see where we yeah. are with well, I'm Scott ahead. Stapp. I'm position. ahead of Paul. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, I mean, in the race to be oh, Scott right, Stapp right. is what I'm saying. All He's right. a game in front of you. He's a game ahead. Yeah, so I could really use, for multiple reasons, I could use Kansas yes. City tonight. Yes, would be good news for you if it worked out that way. All right, we will talk to uh, – we'll figure out what the hell's going on with Jeremy. At this point, it's it's essentially – it's not locked up, but it is almost impossible for him to make up this much ground this late in the season. We'll talk about it next. Jeremy Kahn joins us. That's next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at baltimore.org slash hotels. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. 
What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show a partnership of press box and great ace memorabilia the next Tyus bowser show is tuesday november 21st at mother's north grill in timonium it's brought to you by superbook sports aj michaels and helpmygamblingproblem.org what company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses allergens and bacteria aj michaels heating and air conditioning in baltimore and annapolis ajmichaels.com Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Make sure you're tuned in every Tuesday for Pressbox Fantasy Football Analyst Joe Serpico to get you ready for your Waiver Wire Wednesday, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. And if you have other fantasies you want fulfilled, subscribe to Glenn and Jeremy Kahn's OnlyFans page at... Wait, are people supposed to know about that? All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition of the program. Project Game Day returns this Sunday night, another late-night edition of Project Game Day. Myself, Rita, Femi, KZ, maybe even some of the other cast and crew, although they don't all manage to stick it out for the primetime games. We'll be together with you. It's all brought to you by Superbook Sports, AJ Michaels, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. We'll see you this Sunday night. After Ravens Chargers for Project Game Day, watch at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. You can find out more, PressBoxOnline.com slash Game Day. It's just not getting close. Oh, you lost him? What the hell happened over there? I don't even know what you're doing over there. Mom, the meatloaf! can't see this it doesn't work when it it's that's the it's either got to be immediate or it's just not one day we're going to have a sound we're going to have sounds one day we're we're actually going to figure that out and we're going to have sounds available to us and it's you hungry be, hey ma i don't know yeah. some meatloaf there it is <laughs> 90 seconds later impeccable timing just utterly impeccable the, yeah whatever it doesn't matter you it good? doesn't matter. You good? Yeah, do you want to play it again? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if there's anything that's ever encapsulated the history of Glenn Clark Radio, it would be that right there. We're trying! I swear! We're really trying! Oh, <laughs> oh that was, uh, that was uh, Ryan Roland Smith. That was Ryan Roland Smith. <laughs> Man, there was a noise that Arnold Schwarzenegger made when he was on the Manning cast a couple weeks ago. So, were you watching the week that he was on? Yeah, of course. And he, of course, he had his his goats his or whatever. Donkey, the, donkey or, yeah. his donkeys, his donkeys. And they, at one point, like were showing him, and he was feeding the donkey, and he made a noise that was like, "Oh." <laughs> and I would like to have that one available <laughs> to know, us as to well. The, I would like to add it to the Rolodex to not use it. Joining <laughs> us now, a man who never feeds his donkey in public. He is our friend Jeremy Khan, ConcreteLocks.com. Big Bag Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan. What's going on, brother? How are you? 
I'm good, man. What's up? So, yeah, the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff is funny because Tom Arnold used to tell all these cool stories about, like, the guy just loves animals. So he, like, throws all these parties and has wild animals over his house. And I know he owns a bunch of them, like llamas and donkeys and stuff, but said he'd bring elephants and giraffes and stuff to his house. The donkeys, crazy. The donkeys just walk around the house. Like, yeah, just well, that like, was the other part of it. Like, they just kind of, like, live there. Yes. Like, they just, they're everywhere. They're just so. chilling, right? Like, this is our but house. I think you have to sleep with your housekeeper. I mean, that, you got to pay for something, That's right? a great point. That's a very good point now that I think about it that way. Dude, yeah. the noise that he made when he was feeding this donkey was as about as erotic a noise. I, I, I might... I've never made a noise like this in my life. Wow, yeah. Oh, I'm like, what the f am I watching? Look at my little baby. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, he makes the best noises. Like, yeah. I had an idea a long time ago for a radio show. If you called in with a bad beat and you told us what your bad beat was, that I just played a random clip from an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And I thought it was the greatest thing because anything you play from Arnold makes me laugh. It does, like, yeah. It's just kind of a ridiculous character that he plays, and he's such a... I don't know. He's just an interesting guy. I, I, I've said this a few times. There's no world in which I just won't love Arnold Schwarzenegger at all times. Like I just don't get I don't know what you would have to tell me. Like if you told yeah. me that like he 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 slept with my mom on Christmas in front of my father, I'd be like, Good for them. You know what I mean? Like well, I yeah. just I don't know what you could tell me that would make me not love Arnold Schwarzenegger. I just love the man so much. Um, and, and like his movies are always fun. Now I know some of the older stuff, like but the action movies were fun. The corny lines, he'd throw a knife at you, and you'd be like dead and stuck to a wall, and he'd be like stick around, you know, like <laughs> some some stuff like that. <laughs> we we did it. We did a reenact. We did a table read, word for word, oh, jingle did. all the way. Yeah. God, yeah. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger so much, man. He got two. <laughs> he got two. That's <laughs> one of my favorites, man. <laughs> oh, the cookies! Jesus Christ! <laughs> All right. God, I really wish we—I really wish that we found the right audience for that. I feel like so, that should have gotten so much more play. I was so proud yeah, of that. I it probably it, worked for us because we were half in the bag, or you were all the way in the oh, bag. I was hundred percent in the bag. Yeah, I was now, half in the bag. Let me ask this question: So, who who runs the risk? Depending on what happens tonight, to have to eat, yeah, whatever. That so yeah, the uh, the McFlurry burger, the uh, Jameson Williams burger. So Griffin and Kyle Ottenheimer are on Kansas City tonight. So if they do not cover, if uh, they lose or they only win by uh, two points or less, then they would be paying the price. And if they okay. do cover, then on the flip side, it would be uh, Nick, Doctor Nick Kelly, or and. Oh God! Who oh, is sorry, the other I one? I already lost it. And KZ, yeah, and KZ oh. Kenzalis. Exactly right. Hopefully KZ, yeah. That yeah, that would be good. good. I would be in favor of KZ paying the price. I'm still somehow convinced, by the way, that Drew's just going to do it for fun. Like I am, I'm telling you, I think there is a possibility that Drew shows up one day this week and he's like, "I, w I want a burger." He's just a a psychopath like that. Like Forrester? Is yes. that he's on that? Yes. Really, I didn't. Yeah, he know he was into like the odd food thing. He did or, like, like a he did like a Oreo and spam thing a couple years ago. I don't even remember where that came from. I I don't even remember how it started, but he did an Oreo and spam thing. And I swear to God, every time he came in every week after, he's like, "I need another right. one of those." So I'm gonna interview then now that I'm jumping on your show because yes. I love what you guys do with this because I think it's really cool and fun and it's stupid and there's always that like pit in your stomach. So what's the What's the one thing that you didn't want to do that you didn't have to do that you were so happy about? And what was the, the worst thing that you've done so far? Um, okay. 
I know the worst thing I've done. Yeah. What was the worst thing you the, did? The pepper sandwich. Oh, the pepper sandwich was hell. God. Yeah, that the pepper sandwich. Stuck with you know me all what? Day. I couldn't. I've I've thought about cool. that. That is high on the list of things I didn't have to do. That hey, I was. Griffin, I was, was it akin to like the the cinnamon was, challenge? Was it just too much pepper the, in there? Or it was the it Tom Petty mayonnaise pepper sandwich that he did last year. It wasn't Tom Petty. It was wasn't, Richard. Oh, Petty. sorry, Richard Petty. Who? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, they're brothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It was Free the. <laughs> it, was the it was the Lori Petty pepper sandwich. <laughs> Either way, fresh off her appearance and every time, every day on the set of League of Their Own, they're like, "Ah, oh, damn it, Lori Petty's eating another sandwich." <laughs> that damn Lori Petty. I liked her in Point Break. I loved her in Point so. Break. <laughs> yeah, that one was high on the list. Way too much pepper, and it's just. Um. Uh, yeah, it's the amount. The amount of food to me is like the Bull Balls one. Dude, boo ball, boo balls suck. Like I don't, I don't, I'll never understand why anybody finds that to be. A, Did it taste bad, or was it just? It, there's just no, they, like it's just chewy. Like it's yeah. just there's you never get. To the, I, you've been to New Orleans enough that I'm sure that you've had gator bites, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I I think gator bites are fine, but after you've had them, I don't really ever feel like you need to order them again. Because like I just said this to somebody this weekend. They're, they're, I said I've had gator before and like gator bites, like there's nothing wrong with it. It's not bad. It's not good. I'll never order it again. I'm I'm comfortable with it. Right. You know? It's just to me, they don't texturally there's a better way to consume a fried food than having gator bites, right? Like mm-hmm. I would rather have popcorn chicken or chicken nuggets or any there's so many other fried foods that are better than gator bites are. And bull balls are just chewy. Like that's they don't offer you anything. There, there, there's nothing there. And there was just way too many of them. And after a little while, I was like, dude, I have to puke. Like I can't. Like I, I don't know why we suggested that a pound of bull balls was possible. It was not possible to consume that much, probably of anything. You know, like I, I ate a a, a pound burger, a cheeseburger, cheeseburger years ago, and I felt like hell afterwards. I couldn't even I couldn't accomplish it. So that one sucked. But the mayonnaise one was the most annoying because I legitimately felt mayonnaise in my grundle for a week. Like for Ugh. a week I was feeling mayonnaise in like parts of my body and I said I I hate mayonnaise too. I, I don't hate like it. I hate mayonnaise, right? And like I could I, I could still smell it on me multiple showers later. So, like, you know, for me, if I took multiple showers, that's like a month, right? Like, <laughs> I could still so smell what the was the one that you got out of? Is, now, was there one that you didn't have to do that you were thankful? Yeah, like, I was, super- I mean, the pepper one, I remember thinking, like, it's not so bad because it's just one. Oh, God, I did that. The way that people disrespected the mayonnaise peanut butter thing that I had to do, they're like, dude, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem that bad. Go F yourself. You yeah, when something doesn't six. work with peanut butter, it just doesn't work. No. Like when you guys did the peanut butter pickle pie, and you're like, "Oh, it's okay." Like the peanut butter was so hard and thick, and then you would yeah, get that, that the taste of the pickle oh, that I just didn't like yeah. the two together. KZ, it didn't work for me. KZ had to do the milk spaghettio pie, and that thing was overwhelming. Ugh. Like that was, and it's always to me the other ones. Like I remember Paul did the. God, what what did he did the water the mustard watermelon thing? Oh, that like, doesn't sound that bad. It doesn't sound that bad, but it was a lot, man. And like I love watermelon and I wouldn't want to have to think about like that smell or that taste the next time I consumed watermelon. Right? I've, you and I oh, talked, you wouldn't want it to ruin watermelon. That's for what you. I'm, you and I have talked about my crystal light thing, right? 
Yeah, yeah, so, we yeah, talked about that. Yeah, I, and for those that don't know, I had a colonoscopy, and the way that I cleaned myself out was with a mixture of crystal light. And now, if you op- if you were in the other room, if Leah right now in the other room here at the office cracked open a crystal light, I would start to gag. Like, it has, I could not, it's not just that I can't drink crystal light, it's that I cannot be around, and I'm nearly 20 years removed, I cannot be around the smell of crystal light because I still associate it with that moment I, in my life. Is it impossible to crack open a crystal light? I thought you had to rip yeah, the top off. You know, what I, you, know what I, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. It's high on yeah, the I, I think back on some of those, like, I, I'm all, you know me, I'm game to get in whatever. And 100%. I'll through and try to, it, try to do. It's weird. Yeah, that's, but, that's, that's what you said, and then my butthole were, it was, written, like, yeah, really on fire. <laughs> Well, it's like the time I asked you. I said, if you woke up after going camping and you had Vaseline smeared all over your rectum, would you tell anyone? And you said no, to which I said, Good. do you want to go camping? No. Um, <laughs> anyway, the, 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 the point of all this is, like, I, I really do appreciate the cool stuff and the guys putting themselves out there to try some things that inherently look awful for other people's expense. Um, but you know, there are some that, there are some things I looked at and I'm going, I would never want to do that. You know, the same way you feel yeah. about crystal light. I've always thought about tuna fish. Like I, I just I hate the smell of it. And it makes really? Me yeah. Okay, so if we if we did something that was based around tuna fish, you wouldn't get involved with it. Uh, more than likely not. See, no matter how is, confident. This I is work. always because you know Andrew Stet. Everybody got in on the the side bet this week except for Andrew Stetka. And I was like, right. dude, it's a burger and a McFlurry. It can't be that yeah. bad. Like I'm, it's not. I think it's an abomination. I think it's an affront to Jesus. But like, no, I think people have put French fries and right. uh, frosties and milkshakes and like, stuff for years. Uh, so like, among uh, the things that we've done, I would say this is like, my God, Andrew Stecka has sat in here and what? What the hell did he come in and fly across the country and do last year? I don't even remember Griffin. What was the, last our year? worm burger? The worm. I mean, I am happy I didn't burger. have to do that. Yeah. Oh God, that was gross. I ate a little bit of that. That Ugh. was disgusting. Oh God. And then the um. Oh yeah, when he had to do the ice luge, that one was very high on the list. The What's I- that? That was oh god. Yeah, you would you would never have been in on this. Our season long punishment one year was for the entire show. Every five minutes, he had to take a shot of tuna fish and sardine juice off of an ice oh, luge. No. Yeah. You- you know what's hilarious about that is like so I would probably still get in a competition and I would follow through, but I would throw up trying to eat tuna fish. Yeah, I just I know yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was the, as that a kid was... I told my babysitter I said I want I want peanut butter and jelly. I don't want tuna fish. It smells terrible to me. It's just like it's not sitting with my stomach. Dude, I was like, I, you, took you, a bite you, and threw up everywhere. It's so funny you say that because like I love you know like um, ahi tuna right like I love a yeah. tuna steak or. You know, getting an ahi tuna appetizer, but I never liked tuna fish. Like I never was into it, and I always like whenever you know, I had a babysitter who would like you know open a can, I'd be like, Ugh. you know, I never had a thing for tuna. My my one of my kids likes tuna fish. One of my kids who likes nothing in the world, right? Like I can't get him to eat anything other than than chicken fingers or grilled cheese, oh. and yet he eats tuna fish. And I'm well, like, dude, makes what? sense then, right? I guess, man. I have no idea what to make of it. it is kids bizarre. don't make sense anyway. Like my kid, for the longest period of time, wouldn't eat certain pasta because he told me it tasted bad, even though like the only thing different about the pasta was the shape of it. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> you know, he's like, I don't like this macaroni and cheese. It's got uh, the elbow macaroni. I like uh, the ones with the SpongeBob faces. I'm like, <laughs> dude, yeah, it's but the... it's made from the same thing. My <laughs> idiot kid right now is doing the bit where when he's not in the mood for something, he swears to high heavens that he hates it and he always has, right? Like, to the point where apparently my mother tried to take him to Chick-fil-A on Friday. To Chick-fil-A. 
<laughs> and he just wasn't in the mood for it, and he threw like a temper tantrum. He's eight years old. He threw a temper tantrum and swore that he hates Chick-fil-A and has always hated Chick-fil-A, and everyone knows that it makes him puke whenever he has Chick-fil-A. Yeah. It's the <laughs> he's the dumbest kid that's ever lived. And yeah. it, like, yeah, you, I, by the way, I do have to give him credit though, because my mother also said that he tried to play to. We shouldn't go to Chick Fil A because you shouldn't spend so much money. You should save your money. And I was like, <laughs> that's just called smart. Like that, dude. I'm not even mad at you for playing that card. Like that so is. What did he want? What did he want instead? Who knows? He might have wanted Chipotle. He might have whatever okay. he was in the mood for. He decided. He was in the mood for that, and everything else would be a front to his senses. Like, everything that's not whatever the thing was that he wanted in that moment. He's pulled that with me a couple of times. He's like, dude, I, I hate hamburgers. Like, the F you do, idiot. Like, what did are you Did he do the old about? Ricky Bobby's dad where it's like, I said specifically I did not uh, want yeah. any onions on, on this Salisbury steak? steak. 100%. <laughs> so you asked for extra onions. Yeah. No, I did not. No, I did not. I don't know what it is about me. I just don't have what other people have yet. Um, so are, have you made peace with the fact that you're probably going to lose our competition? Like, have you made peace with it? So where am I at now? What did I you're do this still week? You went 5-3 and three so far with tonight still standing, but you're still 17 games back. Like, you just haven't made up a- any ground at all. Yeah, there's going to be – it's just – it's one of you pitches that I have to <laughs> – no, it's one of you guys that I have to catch. It's just one of you. Yeah, so, yeah, I know, man, but it's not going well. Man, and dude. I started off this week, too, and I was loving it because, um, you know, I hit the Maryland game. I had the Ravens. Right. I loved Oregon State, which they didn't cover on uh, um, Saturday night. And then the other one you had was Georgia-Tennessee, Georgia, which yeah. I got wrong, but, like, it was close, closer in the first half. So I was feeling pretty good. And then Sunday I'm looking at all my games, and I'm going, hey, I'm winning this, I'm winning that, I'm winning this. And then I started to feel really good, and then – Lo and behold, uh, I have the Broncos who win but don't cover. Yeah, um, yeah. I had the Rams who won but didn't cover by a half. I don't think that was in our pool, but like it was just another game that I had. But I had a good day Sunday. It's just you know, and then I really like tonight's game, so hopefully I gain some ground. Yeah, you can make a little bit of ground up, but it's it's not looking great, man. It is just yeah. it is not looking great. It's your call. You made this choice, so in, enjoy some blood sausage. Okay, great. well I'll get out now. That's fine. Yeah, right. yeah, no, yeah. I, change, I'm gonna finish it. Change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> These games are worth three. Right. Yeah, yeah, one of those deals. Um, hey, where is this week for you on like your favorite sports weeks of the year? Because we were talking about this. I remember as a kid, like I have romantic feelings about the words feast week because as a kid, I remember being in Perry Hall High School and knowing who the cool teachers were. Who this week would let me like sit in their office and watch basketball instead of going to class, like. I I loved this week significantly yeah. as far as sports week. I would I would say that Labor Day will always be the top of my list because I'm such a nerdy tennis fan that like that that stands out. But this week between football, college football rivalry games, um, and college basketball, I, I, it might be number two for me. I think. Really? So yeah, I do like this week. I. I've said this before, and I don't remember if I said it on your show, but me being a basketball guy, my, my favorite day is NBA Christmas Day. Um, and I just love that day because there's, outside of going to see other family, like I'll be on my phone watching games or watching on TV, and this year my wife, is uh, she's got to work Christmas Day. And she was like, so where do you want to go? And I'm like, 
I could stay home and watch the NBA all day and be fine, you know. So we'll see if I end up going to hang out with some family or whatever. But I love that. But you talk about those weeks, like the the week leading up to March Madness and, you know, opening day or if you have the, the yeah. uh, basketball championship and opening day kind of wrapped in that same weekend is really cool. Labor Day, you mentioned. Um, you know, this week, though, it's, it, this used to be my favorite week because I always like Thanksgiving because it's the one holiday that's just about the family getting together and not spending Dude, a ton uh, of money. Can we all agree that Thanksgiving is our best American day? Like, it, I feel yeah. like this is the thing that we need to talk about. Like, our, the best day in America every year is Thanksgiving. It is, I, I guess, for the people that are handling the bulk of the, Like, if you've got to do all of the cooking for your family, then there's more stress involved. Like, if you guys are not doing a bit where, like, Everybody helps chip in and, and prepare something yeah. else. If you're having to handle all of it, I could see where it would be stressful. But to me, Thanksgiving is the day. Like, the gift part of Christmas adds too much stress. I don't like Christmas. It's too much. Yeah. Did, did I get this right? Did I forget somebody? Did I screw something up? Whereas Thanksgiving, even if you screw something up, there's going to be enough food to make up for it, right? Like, you're going to have plenty yeah. of food. You're going to be okay. It's, the only thing I would say about hosting is that you have all the le- like some people will take home a to go plate or whatever, right? But you have all the leftovers in your fridge, and so that like for me, when I was a kid, I don't eat leftovers a lot, but I love do. I would do the Thanksgiving thing for three or four days in a row and not get tired of it. Um, but when you're eating at somebody else's house, even when you take a to go plate, it always feels like am I taking too much? Am I not like yeah. I can take more because. I want to make a moist maker tomorrow. You know, like it's, it's always these important things. I am. I'm doing the bit, and I, I got my mother. So we go to my mother-in-law's house on Thanksgiving, and I was chatting with her. I was very disappointed because I'm not sure. I'm sh- I don't know if you and I talked about it. DiGiorno did a Thanksgiving pizza this year, but I missed out every time in trying to get one, and they sold out every time they put it on sale. So I think that I have convinced my mother-in-law that after uh, we have dinner on Thursday – that we are going to make our own Thanksgiving leftover pizza and see how it goes. And I like the idea of that. I think the, the plan is going to be, because somebody said, why don't you take the stuffing and use the stuffing to make crust? I'm like, dude, I, I, what, what, what am I, Bill Nye? Yeah, this like, is a chopped friend. Yeah, let, let's settle down a little bit here. Man, my wife Chef had all of, like, all of her white girlfriends over on Saturday night. When I walked in, I was just like, oh, God. And, like, the Have moment, you seen the Thanksgiving sushi yet? Is that interesting? No, but yes. Tell me so, more. Like, I thought someone someone can correct me if I'm wrong in anything, but I thought it was like turkey skin on the outside, stuffing potatoes, cranberry in the middle, wrapped up and sliced. Oh, you know. Oh, yeah. this looks amazing. This sounds just amazing. This looks yeah. incredible. I'm all in on this. See, I was gonna yeah. do I was gonna do just cranberry sauce instead of pizza sauce, right? Like I was gonna okay. do just pizza crust, cranberry sauce, cheese, turkey. Stuffing sweet potatoes was going to be. Now, like are you making way. your own dough or are you getting a no, chef? No, I think I'm going to get like that's it's it's too much. After all the cooking that we're doing for Thanksgiving, I think it's too okay. much on top of that for me to make my own pizza dough. Like I've I've done that. My my mother in law loves doing it with the kids, um, but I think it's, it's too. Well, you can buy like pre made pizza dough. I just didn't know if you were going to do like a. No, you know, I, they have I, the shell. I, yeah, I think I think I'll just buy a shell. I think that's what I'm going to do. Oh. Is just buy buy a, a you know whatever a. a a shell and then make it that way and i think that's gonna be the plan for leftovers and see how it goes maybe it'll be a fun maybe it'll stink i don't care i just want to give it a shot this year my my butt my my friend was telling me this week that he a couple years ago instead of doing turkey like just a turkey they make they do tur he smokes turkey rolls like he pulls the meat oh. off and then wraps light light meat dark meat and bacon around all of it and i just said i i would like to move into your house and meet in fact leave your wife 
I need us to be married now, and I, I need for us to sleep together in the same bed because this is the greatest idea that I've ever heard in my life. Leave your lover for me, said Sam Smith. That's right. Yeah, you know, like I, I could, I, I like all the ideas and all these different things that are going on, um, and I always think it's kind of cool for like Thanksgiving. Like I know some families are like, hey, you don't need to try anything for Thanksgiving. I like seeing some new stuff. Yeah. I was talking to Ed because his wife asked, actually posted something that made me laugh so hard because. Like, I've been around Italian people, and it was like an Italian grandmother saying, you want a turkey for Thanksgiving? I make a lasagna. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's, it's, it's always going to be a lasagna at an Italian Thanksgiving. So, um, but I do wonder, like, do, do other people that come to this country and live here, do they then start to celebrate Thanksgiving, or is it just not one of their holidays? That's a great question. Um, I don't know the answer to that. We'll have to poke around on that. I feel like it's... It's, it's not a religious holiday. It's more thing, of, and, hey, and we just took your land, let's eat. Right, exactly, exactly right, yeah. and nothing's more American than that. Um, I feel like it's it's one of the most agreeable holidays there is. Like, I, I guess you know somebody would push back if you're Native American. Maybe you don't feel that way. I, I don't. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna be canceled for that statement. But well, you know, like I, it's it's one of those things where you look back on it and go, yeah, that's probably not a great look. But um. I do like Thanksgiving. I do man. love Thanksgiving. So, I do a long time ago. I do love it. All right, uh, quick uh, quick thumbnail. Uh, how comfortable are you with the Ravens without Mark Andrews moving forward? I mean, they're still the best team in the division. I don't think it's close now with the injuries to the other team. I was uh, reading from a, a Steeler friend of mine, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, Kenny Pickett, now with two starting quarterbacks gone down in the division, still can't be the second-best quarterback behind Lamar in this division. Um, it's just it's bad. The Steelers, they keep finding ways to win, except for this weekend. But I, ultimately, I'm not worried about them. I don't think they're a very good team. Uh, the same thing with the Browns and the Bengals now without quarterbacks. I just don't think the Browns have arguably the best defense in football, but I'm still not worried about them. I tend to agree. Tend to agree on all fronts. All right, what's going on for you guys this week? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, so it's a short week, uh, doing a lot of different things, getting ready uh, for Thanksgiving. So we'll have, uh, we're off Thursday and Friday. Um, which is kind of cool, you know, get an extended weekend for us and, um, you know, get ready yeah, for that thanks, Sunday night. Thanks a lot, charges. jerks. Thanks a lot. Oh, you, you're yeah, working? Of course. Uh, thankfully, this year, Rita decided to do Thanksgiving with me today, on too. So we'll, we'll, the oh. two of us will be in both days. Yeah, I saw her dancing with um, uh, Tyus. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. Well, uh, I was going to text her. Them things were singing, man. So they, you got to be careful. I want to see her get they, hurt. They, <laughs> them things were singing. That's all good. I know. It looked good. Yeah, we had fun with that. We Wait, had Tyus or Rita? Which one? Were yeah, yeah. Oh. Tyus looked really good. My God, yeah. Tyus showed up yeah. in a suit, and I said, "I'm I'm questioning some things about myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure who I am anymore." Yeah, if I'm good. not me, then who the hell am I? Right. Oh, he just took it back to Arnold Schwarzenegger. It always yeah. comes back to Arnold, baby. Uh, at Jcon Sports on Twitter, Concrete Locks with two ends, ConcreteLocks.com. Uh, sign up for that. Love you, brother. Happy Thanksgiving. If if I can't book any guests, guys, I'm calling you. All right. Well, call me. I'm around. I ain't doing nothing. I'll just be home with family. So my yeah. wife watches. Like my my typical Thanksgiving was playing football in the morning and then coming home to eat and gamble and whatever else. But like now, it's like I'm an old man. I ain't playing football in the morning anymore. No doubt. I shouldn't walk afterwards. No yeah. doubt. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you. All right, man. Jeremy Khan, 1057 The fan with us here on GCR. All right, today's show also brought to you by the print issue of PressBox, which is available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. You can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Great story from Todd Tar- Karpovich about the survivors, the uh, position players from the Dan Duquette era that stuck around through the dark years and helped turn things around for the Orioles. 
Also, a lot of college basketball, a lot of Brooks Robinson memories inside this print issue of Press Box. And coming soon, the best of 2023 issue of Press Box. I think we're making some decisions about that, like, this week. Because it was not obvious. We kept, like, every year we keep hoping that something obvious will come through. And, again, not a year where there's an obvious answer. So, got to make some decisions about that this week. I just realized, you know what? We're going to do tidbit, and then we're going to take a break and do tubular. I'll explain why later. Okay. Let's do tidbit. Right. Tidbit. I'll, you'll, you'll understand after after I get there. Tidbit is brought to you by, ooh, this one's brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, let's start with, where did I want to start? Oh, uh, yeah, so one I missed on Friday uh, after Otani was, uh, won the MVP again, uh, won another unanimous unanimous MVP. Uh, there have been two unanimous MVPs on a sub-500 team all-time um, across all leagues. Both are Sho- Shohei Otani. No other unanimous MVP for a sub-500 team uh, outside of Shohei Otani in basketball, football, hockey. Um, Otani is the only one. Um, to 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 on a sub five hundred team. So how let's get him out. Let's get him out of there. How about that? Maybe maybe here. Who knows? I don't think so. But yeah, sure. Since nineteen thirty, uh, there have only been two players to lead multiple teams in rushing touchdowns in the same season. Currently, Josh Dobbs uh, has the most rushing touchdowns for the Cardinals, as well as <laughs> the most rushing car- <laughs> rushing touchdowns for the Vikings. That's pretty funny. Who's the only other player to do this across a full season? It requires you to remember quarterbacks who are traded midway through a season. He yeah. is not a quarterback. Oh, got it. Got it. That does make more sense. Mm-hmm. He didn't say specifically about yeah. quarterbacks. He just said rushing. All right, running mm-hmm. backs then who were traded midway through the season. You just want the year? It was sure. 1989. Herschel Walker wasn't traded in season, was he? Uh, Apparently he was, was yeah. in season? I didn't he remember had, it being earned He led season. the Cowboys and the Vikings in rushing wow, touchdowns in 1989. All right. I don't know why I didn't remember it being in season. Um, Everyone's making a big deal about, obviously, the, the four te- there are four teams who have never made the Super Bowl, the Lions, the Browns, the Texans, and the Jaguars, and uh, this is the best start that they've each had in quite some time. I mean, well, the Texans at 6-4, it's their best start since 2018. Um, But a short history for them. It is the first time that all four of those teams, this comes from Tony Holtzman Escarino from NFL Research on Twitter, uh, it is the first time that those four teams have had a winning record at the same time. Weeks 10 and 11 of 2023, so last week and this week, it is the How first time. That? How about that? All four of those I mean, teams. it's not all that surprising yeah. considering who the teams are, but still, neat. <laughs> the, Gi- the Giants, uh, this is also from NFL Research, the Giants have scored four offensive touchdowns in the first half of games this season. All four of those first half touchdowns have come uh, against the Commanders. <laughs> God. Dude, if you didn't see the story yesterday... So the Commanders lose the Giants. Oh, my God. And then they, <laughs> they don't have any water. Nobody can take a shower after the game. Like, imagine how sickening that must have been on the plane. Like, imagine. Because if you're the Commanders, whatever, you can just go home. <laughs> the Giants had to get on a plane after not taking a shower. God. God, what an embarrassment the commanders are. And like I 
it's it's tough because in the past you could just pile all these things on Dan Snyder and like you're not ready to do that yet with Josh Harris, but like bro, you even if this was last minute that like you took over and you couldn't change the coach and you couldn't like at least in taking over and doing some like mental accounting on like hey does the stadium work? And I mean there, this. Yeah. Will there ever be an instance where like the, yeah are we gonna be spraying doo doo on our fans oh, again this year? Like are we gonna I. Are the railings going to fall over? Like, I feel like there's a non-zero. The NFL has to step in at some point and say, can we continue playing games at this facility? There's been way too many of these in recent years. And they sure as hell don't want to have to play games at the University of Maryland or something like that. But you, we, there has to be, at some point, it can't just be, oh, facepalm, LOL, commanders, right? Like, at some point, there has to be actual, like, can this facility host National Football League games moving forward? How many times do things like this have to happen before you step in and say, this is no longer suitable for this level? You you don't get to keep buying time to figure out your stadium. Like, you're going to have to play somewhere else until you get it figured out because this place can't can't do it. It's not cutting it. Um, Brock Purdy uh, has now a passer rating of 157.3 over his last two games. That is the highest passer rating by an NF by any NFL quarterback over a two two start span since uh, QB starts were first tracked back in 1950. Um, so last week against Jacksonville, and then yesterday against uh, what came Oh, Tampa Bay. Um, so yeah, he looks playing against the Florida teams, I guess. Or maybe Brock Purdy actually is good. We still don't know. I mean. I'm very. I have no idea how to have the conversation, honestly. Um, Lamar had multiple touch touchdown passes as well as 50 yards rushing on Thursday nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was his 20th such game of multiple touchdowns and uh, 50 rushing yards. Ties him for second most all time. There are seven players with double digit games of two plus passing touchdowns and 50 rushing yards. Can you Steve name Young? the other six? Yes, Steve Young is in the top seven. But he's not. He So, yeah, so Lamar's tied for second, and I'm asking for the top seven here. So Steve Young is fifth. Fran Tarkenton. Uh, no Fran. Warren Moon. No Warren Moon. Let's see where these guys... Fran had six. Mm. A little bit further down. Not sure where Warren Moon is. Much further down. How about... God, how about... I mean, Vic? Yes, Michael Vic is uh, tied with Lamar. Lamar's tied with Vic. I don't know how you want to say it. 20 such games. Um, Randall Cunningham? Randall Cunningham, also 20 such games. So you've got all the top five except for number one. Cam Newton. Cam Newton, number one. 23 games of multiple touchdown passes and 50 yards. McNabb? McNabb is not in the top seven here. He had he had six as well, tied with Fran. Russ? Russ is in the uh, in the top seven. He is sixth, 18 such games. So am I missing one? You're missing one. He has 13 games. It's somehow Mahomes. It's not Mahomes. This doesn't really run downfield all that right. much. Mahomes has four. That's because it's John Elway. Not John Elway. It's actually a little bit surprising. Elway had... Elway, I saw him on the list. Where is he? Maybe he's not. 
as high as I thought he was. Mm. But Elway, no. Uh, McNair? He wasn't really mm. much of a runner. Not McNair. Man. I'm going to end up feeling very silly, I'm sure. Yeah, but... It's... In order to have done it ten times, Aaron Rodgers. Not Aaron Rodgers. He's also, I think, only done it four times. Josh Allen? Yes, Josh Allen. 13 such games for Josh Allen, the NFL's turnover leader. It's true. That is a very good point. All right, when we come back in, we'll get to be able to wrap up for a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Todd Karpovich profiles the Orioles' survivors, Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Ryan Mancastle, who all came from the previous regime but stuck through tough times to be key pieces in guiding the franchise back to prominence. Also inside, we remember the iconic Brooks Robinson with tributes from Jim Henneman and myself, Stan the Fan Charles, and a trip down memory lane to remember the most significant moments of his career. Plus, we meet players from college basketball programs around the state. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Visit Hartford County. Gear up for the holidays by supporting local with Small Business Saturday on November 25th. Take in the dazzling sights of the season with a Ledoux Christmas at Ledoux Topiary Gardens. Enjoy holiday lights, sing along to holiday songs, reserve a carriage ride, and sit on Santa's lap in Bel Air's Winter Wonderland happening every Saturday from November 25th until December 16th. Nothing sparks that holiday joy quite like a festive parade. Head to visitharford.com and click on Events to see the full list of parades and so much more. In Maryland, you're welcome. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on, where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas in at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Come for a game, stay for everything else. 
Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at Baltimore.org slash hotels. Don't forget about Project Game Day after every Ravens game this season. It's kind of like this show, except Rita's also there, so I actually think it's pretty good. But hey, you're already here now, so why don't you go ahead and keep listening to GCR. All right, winding down for a Monday edition of the program. Here's what's coming up tonight. Totally Tubular. Totally Tubular is brought to you by Superbook. And as we mentioned right now, the number is two and a half. I like the Eagles. Give me points with a good team. Team that I think is better. What the hell? I That's what I said on Friday. What, am I going to change it today? Well, or I mean, it doesn't matter last week. Yeah, yeah no. I mean, the picks have already been made. I like the Eagles Chiefs all the way. If uh, you feel a way about that, then get to Superbook.com, download the Superbook app, use the code GlennClark23. When you sign up, you will receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. Superbook.com, download the Superbook app, use that code GlennClark23. So, yes, Eagles Chiefs tonight, ABC, ESPN, and ESPN2 for a Manning cast for 815. I thought it would be hilarious if, like, this was the game that they weren't doing a Manning cast for. Like, they did so many crap games. They get to the game. They're like, yeah, sorry, guys. Thanksgiving week. We're taking the week off. Uh, only local team in hoops action tonight is Navy. They're at San Diego at 10 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. But uh, great basketball throughout the day, starting with Syracuse, Tennessee at 2.30 on ESPN2. Uh, for the Maui Invitational, which is not being played on Maui this year because of the fires, they're playing it on the Big Island. They're playing it um, in Honolulu at uh, the University of Hawaii's arena. Uh, Purdue-Gonzaga is the big one. today. That's a first-round matchup at the Maui Invitational. Don't know who makes the bracket, but feel like... I guess maybe you don't want to ruin it. You want to make sure you get that game with those teams there, so maybe that's the reason why you put it in the first round. Purdue-Gonzaga, 5 o'clock on ESPN2. UCLA-Marquette at 11 on ESPN2. ESPNU's got Louisville-Indiana at 4.30, and UConn-Texas at 7 from up in New York. Virginia-Wisconsin at 6 on FS1 in the Fort Myers tip-off, SMU-West Virginia after that. ESPNU also has the annual Chaminade game. They take on Kansas at 9 o'clock. CBS Sports Network, Florida State UNLV at 5.30 in the Sunshine Slam. Also Colorado-Richmond at 8 o'clock. And then Bradley-Tulane at 10.30. And if you are up at 1 a.m., they've got Cal and UTEP there as well. Tipping at 1 a.m.? Tipping well, it's in Southern California, yeah, so it's still. tipping at 10 p.m. I mean, they still. ran the the stupid Vegas Grand Prix at one in the morning. I mean, what a joke that was! TNT, uh, Concacaf Nations League, the U.S. takes on Trinidad and Tobago at seven o'clock. Uh, monumental for Bucks Wizards tonight at seven as well on the USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw. Non sports wise, um, not a whole lot. Uh, Barmageddon is going to have Blake Shelton versus Gwen Stefani. Okay. And uh, yeah, uh, Adam Sandler and Henry Winkler will be on Jimmy Kimmel tonight. After right after the football game, they're promoting so. something together. Not together. Sorry, they're, they'll be separate, but they'll. But they'll a- Adam Sandler the- and Henry Winkler. Yeah, I'm going to guess they're doing it together. You they're, think so? They're well, very close. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, Sandler's got a mo- an animated movie coming out tomorrow on Netflix. Wouldn't surprise me if Henry Winkler is a voice in that okay. animated movie. I mean, they've I done. I see it, but Bill Burr, Bill Burr's also in it. They've as done well, multiple. So multiple movies together like they okay. henry winkler is a very much part of that maybe they're not maybe henry winkler is just on promoting his book that you never you never uh, got henry winkler on oh yeah sorry good work pal good work nothing like <sighs> anyway is that it 
Um, and then uh, Letterman will go. Will be returning to the Late Show as he's a guest on yes, Colbert that is, tonight. That's a big thing. Big thing tonight. Uh, Baseball Hall of Fame has put out this year's ballot, uh, and they're getting ready to send it out. First year is on the ballot. Jose Batista. Uh, the only man that I believe is certain to get in on the first year is Adrian Beltre. Also, Bartolo Colon, Adrian Gonzalez, Matt Holliday, Victor Martinez, Joe Maurer, Brandon Phillips, Jose Reyes, James Shields, Chase Utley, and David Wright. Chase Utley with an outside chance, I think, but I don't know about first ballot. I don't Any know. consideration for Matt? Yeah, Maurer probably. I think Maurer's got an argument, yeah. but I don't think there any of them are going to end up being first ballot guys. I would be surprised if any of them right, are first yeah, ballot. Yeah. Besides, Bel- Beltre to me is first ballot. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out that the people feel strong, more strongly about Maurer or Utley as a first ballot guy. I think both those guys are down the road guys, but I've been wrong before. I'll probably be wrong again. We'll see. Uh, the ballot is out today, and uh, we'll continue to monitor that. Not a lot of Oriole connections on the Hall of Fame ballot. Jose Bautista, yeah. Yeah, he had a <laughs> cup of coffee here, and then Dan Duquette said we could, we can't bring him back. The fans would revolt. Yeah, I'm I'm so sure that we would hate having a good player here, Dan. So sure. It'd be awful. I swear to God, he said that. When we were, we, one year we were covering the baseball meetings, and I brought up, uh, we, we couldn't sign Jose Bautista. Our fan base would be like, are, are you out of your mind? God. All right. Very good. Thanks today to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks to Paul Rabel. Thanks also to Dan Wilcox. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. On the program tomorrow, we will talk ugh, Maryland basketball. Yeah. Yeesh. Uh, somehow it got worse. We'll talk about it with Patrick Stevens tomorrow. Of course, we will uh, go over the um, the week in uh, high school football. We have, uh, oh, yeah, your boys, Concordia, yeah, Concordia. Prep. Shout out John Carroll. B Conference, and Spalding, as expected, won the A Conference. Perry Hall Gators looking good yeah, as they, they try are. to win a state title. I'm excited about that. We'll talk about all That might get me to go to an Apple. No, it won't. I, who, am I, who am I kidding? There's no chance that I would do that. What am I talking <laughs> Why would I even say that? <laughs> Zippy chance. But we'll talk about all that with our guy Wes Brown during County Sports Zone Radio. We'll, of course, uh, preview Waiver Wire Wednesday with Joe Serpico. I think uh, Navy linebacker Will Harbor will join us. All of a sudden, their their defense uh, pitching a shutout on Saturday. Defense has been really good for Navy this season. So we'll talk to Will Harbor and stuff and things. Stuff and things. Gotta, we got to ramp it up, man. Yeah. We have a very short week. Got to start ramping things up. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, Mother's North Grill, A.J. Michaels, Guilford Hall Brewery, Royal Farms, the Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, Hartford County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday night. Go Navy Hoops. Duke sucks.